suffer because of the You all doing good? Yeah. yeah. Let's just thank God for his love right now, okay? Yeah. Why don't we just enter into this Just get personal right now. Take some time. You might have already this morning. It's good to just do it again and stay thankful. Just begin to thank him for his love for you. Just thank him that you're right in his sight right now because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Just begin to thank him. And talk to him. Get personal right now. Father, I know you love me because you sent your son. I know I'm pure and clean before you because I care about that. I, I don't want to miss you. I know I can't strive. Works don't measure up. But I yield myself to you. And with all my heart, I say thank you for your life. Thank you for grace that teaches me, that trains me, that leads me. Holy Spirit, I appreciate you. I receive you. I accept you as my mentor, my discipler, my best friend. These are ways you just open your heart and begin to talk to Him. When you open your eyes in the morning, this, this should be very normal to us as Christians. Just communing with God. Father, I just appreciate you. I set my heart on you. You've always had your heart fixed and set on me. Before the foundation of the world, you saw me. And you did not leave me. Thank you for coming through your son and setting me free. Well, yeah, whatever's real to you, just take a little time. Don't wait for me to lead. I'm just asking you guys to just turn your heart to him right now. I'm asking to teach you, lead you guys. Whatever becomes relevant. It's not a right or wrong thing. You can't miss it in the place of communion. That's the beautiful thing. You're just opening your heart and expressing your heart. Thank you, Father. I love you. Thank you, God. Yeah. Father, you're my wisdom today. I don't want to lean on any other thing. I don't want the way that seems right to a man to creep in. I, I, I ask for the light of your truth to shine so bright in my heart. And I thank you that what I see is what you say all day long. I thank you, Lord God, that it's your voice that I hear and obey. I thank you that a stranger's voice would be so strange because your truth is resounding within my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you for building understanding in me. Thank you that when I read your word, it's not just knowledge, but it's the grace to know you more. Thank you that the more that I see you, the more that I see who I've become in you. Thank you for the grace that abounds. I receive the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of your grace. And I'm reigning today as a king in this realm of life. I'm not afraid. I'm not in fear. I'm not beat down or cast down. I'm surely not alone. You're amazing. You live in me. Thank you for your love. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you, God. <laughs> yeah. It's good. Just starting your day, guys. Uh, and then continuing. I think in, in church we've got trapped in a daily devotion mindset. That starts our day thinking about the Lord <laughs> to carry us through the day. <laughs> you walk with Him, you live with Him, amen? So uh, I have to actually, communion with the Lord is a big deal. It gets so big in your heart, it, 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 uh, it's real. There's actually, you know, I don't talk about feelings, emotions, but, but there's a lot of feelings and emotion involved with, involved with uh, continual growing communion with the Lord. He will steward you with all kinds of things. And my life just gets bubbly. I can't even, like, uh, 
Like the things that you begin to say, they're not religious. They're not, you're not trying to get a rise out of God or you're not trying to just fit in. You, they become your reality, those words. And, uh, sorry. Thank you. You just holler at me every time. Say, Dan, you switch. It's not a mic. Yeah. Tell that lovely. Um, when you were going through your trial with your wife when she was not well, did you did that continue to well up inside you every day, regardless? There, there was there is such a grace. It doesn't matter what you go through. There's a place. And you have to be careful teaching it because then people feel like if they cry or feel sad that they're not in God. We're not against emotions and things. But there's a place that I believe we haven't even scratched that we can walk. Because you're not crying for yourself. You're not ever crying for fear. Right. So I wonder if that's erased from your life. Yeah, I tell people, if you'd have met me at the gas pump that day, you wouldn't have known anything was going on. And that, I, 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 it's hard to teach that sometimes because people think, oh my God, I'd have been a wreck, or oh, I got so far to go. Or, do you know what I mean? I, told, I just was talking downstairs about it with Jessalyn and Daniel, and you guys heard this testimony before the fellow that his wife and daughter got killed in a head-on car wreck. He was preaching at a church. And when he got the news for the first time, he asked the worship team to come up and, and sing a song honoring the blood and he wanted to lift his hands and worship Jesus for the blood that, in, that welcomed his wife and daughter into eternity forever and he didn't even have the ability to cry. See, that's beyond where we're even thinking because it's not wrong to cry when they die. That's not what we're preaching. But there is a place that you're so fixed and eternal life becomes such a reality because to know him is eternal life. So he, didn't, he wasn't overwhelmed with the sense of loss like we think we have to be. He actually, in that moment, appreciated the reality of heaven, of eternal life, of never dying, of no fear of death. And even though it was his physical wife of 30 years and his own daughter, the fact that it was his wife and daughter was so intimate to him that right now they are received into his holy presence face to face forever because of the blood you shed and the blood that I preach. That's powerful. That was so big in him that when the policeman told him what happened, he actually said he had no ability to cry. Now, that, now when you preach that, you have to be careful. You're not, you know, people aren't hearing you like, well, if I cry, then I'm not spiritual. It's not what we're saying, but there's a place to be so consumed by truth where truth is so your reality and it makes you free. That doesn't mean he's never, never wept in, 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 and looked at a picture and, and sat near, near her picture on her birthday or their anniversary and just wept because he couldn't just hold her now. That doesn't mean he never did that, but I promise you if he would do that, this is what he would do. God, thank you for the memory and the, the, the reality and, uh, of my wife and that it was her and no one else and the daughter that we brought forth and da 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 da, da. It's thankfulness. It's because nothing's ended. Nothing's over. And that's what we have to get. And we don't get that too well because we live very sensual and very temporal and very now. <gasps> that's how we live. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> and we lose sight that this is just a little window that introduces us to forever. It's a big deal. So be careful you don't covet this life. Use it wisely. Don't covet it as if it's the only life you've got. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah. Don't covet this life. Some people covet their children and their family at the cost of God. And they forget that every good gift is from God. They, they get so personal with what's become their blessing 
that it actually sometimes is at the cost of who God is. Because if anything goes awry here, he's the one that takes the heat. That's way out of proportion. (laughs) But it seems so natural to do that. But that's like the clay rising above the potter. That's how I see it. (laughs) You know, it's it's a wrong perspective. So, you know, for a man to have that experience, that doesn't mean it's wrong to cry or say, oh my God, and, and, you know, cry in a sense, but to, to lose your zeal, your joy of life, your purpose of life when something tragic like that happens. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just impressed with that, that the blood and power of Jesus is greater. And that heaven can become that real. Amen? So this is why we want to wake up and commune with Him and not just do a daily devotion. Because your knowledge in a crisis like that, your knowledge of God isn't going to save you. Is it? It's your knowing Him. It's Him being right there with you that's going to save you. True? So be careful to uh, not get caught in just... uh, a kind of practice, what just a devotional practice. <clears throat> Not against devotional books and things, but you can let anything become religious. You, anything. Uh, the things we teach are subject to religious tradition if you don't keep the heart in them. You can do a daily devotion and have total communion with God. Yeah. Or you can read it and feel like you did your Christian duty this morning. And then later in the day you say, hey, I read and prayed today. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, you're not passing the Christian grade. <laughs> you're in fellowship with God. Amen? Amen. We've been talking about, well, yesterday, we, well, we tried to talk about healing. I don't know what we talked about. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't have notes, so I can't look back. <laughs> don't have notes, Don. But uh, there was a lot of questions, and a lot of times a lot of questions determine the course of the, and I'm not against questions. I called on you guys. Uh, <clears throat> But I would like to talk a little and say this. I'm not, I'm not, this is no reflection on all the questions yesterday. There's a lot of questions on this topic, obviously. <clears throat> so the questions are still welcome. What I'd like to do, though, if we could, it's about 25 after 9. I'm going to just start talking a little and sharing a little. Give me an opportunity to get a little momentum going and just share a little bit out of my heart. And then we'll open up a time because I'll provoke questions. What happened yesterday is I just called on everybody, and that's okay. I, I'm not, I'm not second-guessing that, because actually I thought we had a good time yesterday. We covered a lot of stuff, and the questions actually provoked that. <clears throat> but there's a topic. I, I just want to get on healing a little bit and lay some foundation and get some stuff out there, okay? <clears throat> and then I'll open it up for some questions. So just hold the questions for a little. Like, and then after the break, maybe we can see if there's anybody. Because the reason I don't want to shut down questions is if, if I'm talking and you got something back here that's unsettled and it's keeping you from hearing what I'm saying anymore because you've got this, it's a, it's a valid yell but, in a sense, question. Not where you're yell butting the word, but it's a question. They're, 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 they're important. So, okay. <clears throat> I want you... Remember yesterday we opened up that if you're going to move and pursue in the realm of healing, you have to settle and establish in your heart it's the will of God to heal. Remember we said that? Uh, I'm sticking to that. (laughs) I'm going to live and die with that. (laughs) It's very important. It's huge. Okay? It's huge. The life of Jesus reveals that. All that he touched, like Mark said yesterday, somebody could say, well, Jesus only prayed for the ones he knew God wanted to heal, but the Bible says all that touched him were healed. 
All that came to him were healed. All that asked of him received. Said he went around doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So in other words, no one that pursued him, approached him, asked of him, or that he approached was ever denied, turned away, or not healed. That's amazing. There was a lady who came on behalf of her daughter, and it wasn't her time in the sense of he came first to the house of Israel. But what she said was, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs from fall from the master's table. Here's what she was actually paraphrasing and saying. Yes, I understand you're here for the, for the first fruit, the first lump, the Jewish people. She honored them. And she said, but I believe you love everyone. That's really what she was saying. But I believe you love everyone. You're here for everyone. And he's like, oh. You want to cry? Just get the Matthew Visual Bible and cry. Watch that scene. You got to watch that. See, I should have brought it in, and we should have just played it. Then I wouldn't even have been able to preach. Oh, she's running down the road. I'm already crying. I guess it's, I'm done. I've seen it fifty times. Ah, it's, it's a good thing because it's so amazing. And uh, so there, and you know, you probably heard Bill Johnson teach that how she she actually changed the time. By her faith and, and God, Jesus was actually saying, well, you know, it's not good to... He didn't really say, well, it's not your time. He just said, it's not good to give the children's bread to their little dogs. What she was saying is, look, you're making all things one in you. And you love everybody. Everyone's created in your image. I realize you're here to get them back on track or restore them or speak to them. But you love my daughter. That's powerful. Most of us, without a right understanding, would hear a phrase like he said and feel shamed and slighted and like he called you an outcast and he doesn't have time for you. And we'd have heard it in a very negative ear. And we'd have went home and said, well, I went to Jesus and he told me I wasn't worth anything. (laughs) Right? It's probably how we'd have responded in, in the natural way that men think. Okay, there's a couple scriptures I want you to see, because Jesus said, follow me. I'm going to talk about one that we don't talk about too much. Uh, We had a good topic. The reason I brought up Mark was he said something about that, about God just healing Jesus, only praying for the ones God wanted him to heal, and that God has a big part to play, and this is what we always teach. And I said, actually, I don't teach that. I feel like we're major players and huge keys in this whole thing called healing. I believe God has given us the kingdom. Jesus said, Don't be afraid. Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the... If you study out all the times the kingdom's used, repent, change the way you think, the kingdom's here. Go preach saying, the kingdom's here. Heal the sick. Go heal the sick and tell them, the kingdom's here. Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you... The kingdom, now go saying, the kingdom's here. Where is it? In me. Lay your hands on the sick and heal the sick. I don't know how we get around that. It's all over. You can connect those dots all over the place. Nicodemus, we know you're from God. Nobody can do the things you do unless God's with him. He said, truly I tell you, unless a man is born again, unless Dick's born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. Flip it. But if he is, he will. So Jesus is defining the things he's doing as the kingdom. It's simple. 
It's there. I mean, it's undisputably there. So Nicodemus is honoring Jesus and talking to him. And Jesus is so on a mission to reproduce himself after as many as would believe, after his own kind and as many as would believe, that his answer is all about us. Did you ever think about that with Nicodemus? Nobody could do the things. You are obviously a teacher sent from God. Nobody could do the things you do. His answer almost sounds off the wall. He doesn't say, well, yeah, but that's because I'm from the Father and I do all things that please Him. And da, 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 da. He didn't teach. He didn't talk to him like he was preaching in the synagogue and making statements to the Pharisees. Intimately, Nicodemus came by night with belief in his heart. He wasn't contesting. He wasn't confronting. He wasn't challenging. He actually believed. Right? And he made a comment to Jesus and Jesus' response almost sounds like he didn't even respond, but he so did. He said, truly, I tell you this, unless a man is born again. What's he doing? He's opening the door for Nicodemus to realize he can be reproduced and actually follow Jesus. And if he gets born again, out of Adam and into Christ, the things you're seeing and honoring through my life right now will be the same things you see in your life. And it's the kingdom that you see. Isn't that what he's saying? Come on, what else is he saying? Unless a man is born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. We are so narrow with that sometimes that we think he just means we won't be able to go to heaven. Okay. Watch this. I want you to... It's probably in every gospel. There's probably a better place to find it too. Okay, let's just go to Luke 6. Since I was there quick, we'll go there. (laughs) Uh, It's probably in... uh, A lot of times when Jesus is, is quoted saying what I'm about to read, it's in light of persecution... But it's bigger than that. I want you to see it's bigger than that. It's all about following. It's all about leading and following. Isn't it? Jesus is leading and we're following. We're sheep. He's the shepherd. Right? Leading, following. He said, follow me. He also says things like, the things I do, you'll do. And greater things, because I go to the Father. Do you understand the significance of that? When he goes to the Father, there's a flesh and bone man in heaven representing man to God. So we have access to God because a man's there. Yet he's God. That's amazing. Man, you have to be careful that this doesn't come become religious knowledge to you. Man, you talk about that with the Lord. You thank Him for that. You ask Holy Spirit to make that real big in you. That, that it's a big deal that you have a high priest forever who changes not. Or that's just a, a Sunday scripture that preaches and we all say yay, amen and go home and it doesn't change our lives. Can you see just talking about that topic how excited I just got in the last minute? There is so much emotion in me right now at Jesus being my high priest. It's the only reason I can step into the presence of God. It's a big deal. 
We take this thing sometimes lightly. We don't understand. We don't give our heart to the things that matter so much. And we give our heart to the things that don't seem to matter at all, like around us and feelings in our day and oh my. (laughs) A man is in the heavenly, holy sanctuary of God at the right hand of Almighty God, His own blood on the mercy seat, a high priest forever over humanity. And because we see we have that high priest, we come boldly into the throne room, total access to the Father through the Son, and receive help and mercy in a time of need. That's relationship. That's covenant. That's all that is mine is yours. Now come. Do you get it? Come on, it's a big deal. So, to, 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 uh, it says, since he doesn't change, he's able to save to the uttermost. That means completely and forever those who come to him by faith. This thing is so locked in. It's about you and me staying fixed on truth and not being moved by anything. Fixed on truth. So when prayers don't seem answered, when somebody dies and all that stuff that has happened, we have left all that stuff throw us head over heels. And the whole time, he's there, a priest forever. And what he has accomplished is still in place and speaking, waiting for us to grow into it, grow up into him in all things. And yet we toss it away because a rational knowledge will let me think, well, yeah, but if God, then this one, well, then boom, 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 and all this is discourse this way and yet this truth is there waiting to change the world it's true watch this Luke 6 verse 40 I'm just laying I'm almost teaching probably going to teach this morning as if I had notes up here I'm going to lay a foundation without notes I'm believing God for that I really am verse 39 can the blind lead the blind Will they not both fall into a ditch? A disciple, catch this, you've got to catch this. A disciple is not above his teacher. And I don't, I don't believe that he's just talking, you know how we teach ceiling floor stuff, and I don't think he's talking about human teachers, because he said in Matthew 23, and you're to call no man rabbi, For you have one teacher, he's the Christ. Here's what that means. God even says there's teachers in the body of Christ. But there's really only one teacher, because if there's a teacher in the body of Christ, he's only teaching what the teacher is taught. So there's one teacher. You get it? So you only have one teacher. So it's not about, oh, what an awesome teacher. If there is a teacher, it's because we have a teacher. If there is a son, it's because we have a son that's been given. It's, it's all because of Jesus. It's, it's, it's all him. So he says a teacher, and, he, and he's already the one that's called rabbi. When, when John and Andrew ran to him in the book of John, didn't they say, well, where are you staying, rabbi? Because of what John the Baptist had said about Jesus. And they ran after him and said, where are you staying, rabbi? They acknowledged him as teacher. Watch. A disciple is not above his teacher. Your translation might say master. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Oh my goodness. How do you get around that? I don't know how we get around that. You have to force your way around that. 
Yeah, through the rationale of experience or inexperience. You can't even get around that. Everyone who is what? Perfectly trained. Any other translations there? Fully trained. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. We haven't lived that way. (laughs) The whole truth and a lot of additives to the truth. (laughs) And distraction from the truth. Everyone who is perfectly trained will be what? Be like his teacher. I like how he springs off of that. I wasn't even going to read this, but I didn't even realize it was necessarily all together here at the time. But why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not perceive the plank in your own eye? In other words, man, would you just grow up in this truth and be like Jesus and stop looking so much at each other? Is how I hear that. (laughs) Get your eyes off all this other stuff because it's keeping you from being like the one that's teaching you. Why do you look at this when you could be looking at him and being perfected like him and then look at this from his view? It's a form of distraction. And we're so busy trying to fix each other and I think he's just saying, be reproduced after me. Do you get it? Yeah. So I wanted you to see that. That's a phrase, red letters in your Bible, if you have a red letter Bible. If you don't, I'd encourage you to get one. They're probably mostly red letter. Because it's important to know when Jesus is talking. Sometimes you open up and just read red letters. John G. Lake used to call it the Supreme Court of God. (laughs) It's funny. A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone is fully trained or perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Man, there's no way around that. Let's go to the book of John. This scripture is not talked about very much because I think it scares us in how people hear it and respond. Who grew up hearing the phrase, well, that was Jesus? Well, that was Jesus. Well, that was Jesus. My whole life. Well, that was Jesus. When you try to share scripture today and talk about even walking by the Spirit and things, people say, well, and you compare it to Jesus, say, well, that was Jesus. Because people don't understand. And uh, even the Pharisees said to Jesus, Who do you think you are? Who do you make yourself out to be? Right? At one point they came to him and said, Okay, look. In a sense, don't beat around the bush. Tell us plainly if you're the Messiah. (laughs) Then when he started to tell them, they wanted to kill him. Please don't keep us in suspense. Don't keep us wondering. Just tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? (laughs) He said, I've been telling you all along, and yet you won't believe me, etc., etc., etc. And then he's going on, and now they're screaming, ready to stone. And the reason they were going to stone him is why? He said, for what good work are you ready to stone me? They said, for no good work are we stoning you, but for your blasphemy, for you being a man, make yourself out to be like God. Wow. Well, that's where we're at right now. John, did I take you to John 10? That whole thing I just quoted is right above the scripture I was going to read. Oh, this is fun. And I don't have notes. Let's look at John 10. Let's look at, let's look at, 
It's right there. Verse 24, the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt or suspense? Isn't that amazing? Verse 24 of John 10, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly, I told you and you don't believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. So the doing of his life is what revealed who he was. Not the saying, the doing. Oh, that's big. What revealed? The doing. And we think we're not to do the things that he did when the doing's what revealed who he was. We've turned the gospel into doctrine. We've turned, we put all our confidence in good preaching. Trying to get people to agree. Watch this. I told you that the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness to me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, it's pretty bold language to a Jewish society that thought he was blaspheming. My Father has given them to me. And he is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. <laughs> Ooh. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm going to be a hoer here soon. Oh! I'm telling you, I'm about to hoe right now. <laughs> Got that hoe anointing in the room, baby. <laughs> Watch this. This is Jesus who told us to follow him. And said, Father, make them one as we are one, I and them and you and me. This gospel is so intimate, it's so about family, it's so about being one. How can it be so about being one and yet we're lacking what it takes to do what he did? We're not. We're just lacking understanding. We've been, we've been sold out so many times and deceived and bought into lies and, 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 and just let circumstances be our teacher instead of Jesus. You let your feelings be your teacher. You, you let rationale be your teacher. Sometimes just your friend's voice becomes your teacher. Let no one be called teacher, but you have one. He's the Christ. People aren't saying what Jesus' life is saying. You still love them, but they're not telling you clearly. Well, brother, it has to be like this. I mean, think about it, man. I mean, if God really wanted to heal. I mean, look, we just prayed and prayed and da-da-da. And God, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. Next thing you know, the respect of a friend, you're listening, you're hurting, and you're grabbing it to try to crutch up your hurting soul in the loss of a loved one. And all of a sudden, the way that seems right to a man once again becomes the voice you hear. You follow me? Watch this. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones. So they just said, are you the Christ? Tell us plainly. They should have said, so we can kill you now. <laughs> It sounds like they're ready to believe him. Look, if you're the Christ, man, just come out and tell us plainly so we can kill you right now and get it over with because we've been itching to. <laughs> you really bug us. You almost act like you're God or something. <laughs> so they took up stones again. <laughs> See? Again. <laughs> to stone him. So there's solid, constant animosity. They're constantly hearing him uh, for blasphemy instead of for what he's saying. So the screen in their ears, if you will, be careful how you hear. They, the more he talked, the more they heard what they wanted to hear and the more right they had to kill him to pick up stones again. 
just, man, so they're not even teachable. They just found fault with this man named Jesus. Now watch. Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews said, for a good work we're not stoning you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Now listen to the language. You, a man, make yourself God. Jesus said to them, is it not written in your law? Psalms 82. Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God. If he called them God, small g-o-d-s, to whom the word of God came, parentheses, and the scripture cannot be broken. See, we put parentheses in there all the time that aren't there. <laughs> when God puts them in there, look what he puts in them. And the scriptures cannot be broken. <laughs> I love that. We do this. Here's how we put parentheses in. Uh, these signs shall follow those who believe. They'll lay their hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Parentheses. Unless, of course, it's the will and timing of God. That's how we put parentheses in. <laughs> Jesus just speaks point blank. And the scriptures cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified, set apart, and sent into the world that you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the Son of God. Now listen to what he said. It, is it not written in your law, you are God? Remember he's king of kings? Lord of? Well, who's all these other lords? Lord of. That makes him Lord of all. He's the Lord. But the Lord of Lords. See, that sounds so blasphemous. Because we've been beat down. We're just fallen sinful flesh, guys. Can't ever get anything right by the skin of our teeth. We're going to be in heaven. That's what we've been taught our whole lives. That the heart is wicked. There's nothing good in it. We'll get born again and get a brand new one. <laughs> <laughs> his ways are not our ways his ways are higher than our ways well get one with him and get led by the spirit <laughs> nobody has seen what the Lord has no eye has seen no ear has heard what the Lord but the spirit has revealed them to us yeah. is the very next verse we quote that thing yeah, but brother, eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard what the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. Man, it is a mystery. We don't even have... The very next verse. But the Spirit has revealed them to us. <laughs> Yay! I was at work and a guy pulled that scripture out on me one time when I was at work. He said, yeah, but brother, you, man, you scare me. You are way out there, man. They all got in a little covenant, all the Christians at my work, to pray for me that I would hear and understand truth. I said... That I would see clearly. I said, pray. Just keep praying for me. Pray. <laughs> they were praying for me. Now they were praying because they were concerned and thought I was off the deep end. 
But they weren't saying that. They were like, God, would you just lead him in truth? Would you just reveal your word to Dan? Would you just cause him to know truth? And he came and told me they were praying that for me every day, all these 11 Christians. And I'm like, yes, that's powerful. I so appreciate you guys praying. <laughs> and I knew, see, because when we took communion, they asked me to lead communion one day, and I lost my whole, the whole prayer group. Because we received communion in the understanding that I see the body and the blood, and I lost them all. They never came back to prayer group. Because they all lost loved ones to sickness, and it's not God's will to heal. And if he does, great, but we shouldn't believe for it. We should just live by grace that causes us to endure. And da 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 Everything that's out there came flying. You got 11 people, so you probably got about six, seven different views. And the one that I preached that I can find here is the one that's offensive. <laughs> and it's actually the one that answers our heart cry. If we'll just die and pursue it. <laughs> But because we don't die, flesh rises up and has a whole lot to say. Intellect gets involved, right? Come on. What is Jesus saying here? So he's king of kings and lord of lords. He creates man in his image. What is man? Read, read Psalms 8 and look at the Hebrew. What is man that thou art mindful of him? That you would visit him? Who made him a little lower than Elohim? That's what it says. He made him a little lower than himself, meaning that he's God, but we're his sons. Come on. If he is the vine and we're the branches, the same exact sap that's in the, in the vine is in the branch. You, you can't... You, how can you make the branch different than the tree except that the tree supports the branches, but the branches bear the fruit? So they all work together as one. Oh my goodness, come on. So, so how we can separate the life and manifestation of Jesus from our lives now, that we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he's given us the kingdom, we have every promise to receive and guarantee that we receive his divine nature, which means we can move in faith that works through love. How can we sell that short? Now that he's come and said, follow me. There's so many scriptures, but I'm just, I'm just showing you some of these that people don't even want to look at this scripture. He said, we want to stone you because you're blaspheming and you being a man, make yourself to be God. He said, isn't it written that you are God's? And he pointed to all the people. <laughs> They're trying to get bigger stones. Killing quicker. <laughs> If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. That's in there for a reason. That means what God said he said. What he means he means. He's not fickle. He doesn't change his mind. He's not like, well, you know, maybe it ain't going to work with these guys. That means what's in place is in place. What he predestined is still predestined. What's available is available. Watch this. This is sobering. Whether you and I in our hour, in our generation, rise up. Whoo, I can hardly say this. Guys, I'm not prophesying it. It's just a, a sobering thought. Whether we rise up or not and walk this thing and live this thing, we will find someday that it was all set in place. And that it was all available. 
your experience doesn't change what's available. But how you see it and how you pursue it has a lot to do with what we experience. And if you let yourself get talked out and talked around what Jesus is saying, we could live our whole lives only to stand before Him one day and find out we actually were stewards of the kingdom. And that we had so much authority. And that is not a presumptuous comment. He said, I give you authority. Jesus said that over, to tread upon serpent scorpions over all the power and nothing. You say, well, he was talking to the, to the 12 disciples. Yeah, and he told them to go into the nations and make believers of all men, make disciples out of all men and teach them to observe everything I told you. So how can he talk to them and not be talking to us? Hello? So where did we ever get that died with the apostles thing? I've actually read the scriptures that substantiate that and I go, huh? I don't even get it. You have to want to believe that to make it right. You have to to try to believe that. They get it out of Romans where it says Romans or Corinthians 13 where we see in the glass dimly and then, but then, and when we were a child we spoke as a child but when, when the, when, and they say that when the complete when the mature is come or the perfect is come they're, they're calling that the word of God. But the very word of God bears witness of Him and instructs us to do all the things He did. So they're saying once we got the word we don't need to live like the, the apostles live because now we have the word and the word settles everything and now we've become mature because we have this book. Did you ever study out where that all comes from about that, the, when the apostle died, the last apostle died? It comes out of Corinthians 13. That's their main thrust in scripture. It's talking about in that day when he comes and we see him face to face and we're going to put away everything every tool we have now is unnecessary because the evangelizing of souls is over the redemption of man is fulfilled we're further clothed and the twinkling of eye will be changed we're not sure what it'll be but we know we'll be like him in heaven they'll neither be marrying or, or giving in marriage but we'll be like the angels so there's some transformation that we don't know yet but yet we walk in redemption from sin and its power so we walk as sons now. But there's going to be a further clothing. There is a deeper place of redemption in that sentence when we see Him face to face. And it says when that day comes, we're going to put away praying in tongues. We're going to put away intercession. We're going to put away because it will all be consummated. But some of the church has interpreted that scripture as meaning when a canonized scripture came, when the holy word of God was given... That's when we became complete. And the Word of God is when it instructs us with promises and tells us what to do. Ah, do you understand? It's like, oh God, help us. If you're not careful, you can live your whole life trying to come up with a reason to talk yourself out of your identity, your purpose, and your destiny, and your calling through Christ. Trying to excuse away the very kingdom that lives on the inside of us. People don't do it willfully. It's, it's an intellectual thing. I don't believe it's willful. Well, some people could get it. Pharisees, I think, they, they, I think they were confronted more than we realize. I don't think they were as blind in many cases as we, we think some of them. 
I, I, I think that's obvious. And then there is some that were just blind. But Jesus actually said to them, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But because you say we see, your guilt remains. So there is a, there is a, there's an amazing phrase there in innocence, blindness, ignorance. Total ignorance, blindness. Versus saying you see, having an opinion. He says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. He said that to the Pharisees. In fact, that's real close here. Wherever it was, where was it? John 8, where the man got his eyes from the pool. So somewhere in 8 or 9, he says that. He says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But because you say we see, your guilt remains. It's amazing. Okay. Now look what he says. He says, to whom the word of God came. He called them gods to whom the word of God came. Who'd the word of God come to? For God so loved the world, He sent His Word. Jesus is the Word made flesh. So you could say His Son, His Word. You wouldn't do injustice to the Scripture. They're all one and the same. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So this is the love of God for me. That's amazing. And it says, Do you say of Him who the Father sanctified? He set Him apart with a holy calling and purpose and set, sent into the world that you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God. Now look at his comment in verse 37. The, this is coming from the one that said, a teacher, a student will be like his teacher. This is coming from a man that said, follow me. This is coming from a man that said, if you believe in me as the scripture, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This is coming from a man that said, if you believe in me, the things I do, you will do. Okay? He said, if I do not, watch this, if I, because earlier he said, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works that I do. They bear witness of the Father. But now watch what he's saying. Now he flips it. If I do not do the works of my Father, then don't believe me. Look, if I'm not doing the works of my... Now here we are, condemning people that won't say yes to our message in the church at large. This big evangelistic push to just get, if, you, if, you, if Jesus is the way, the truth and life, if you die tonight, don't know if you're going to heaven, pray this prayer and people are like, whatever. And then we're in our minds, well, they don't want Jesus. Their hearts are hard. Well, they had their chance. There's a lot of people out there saying that and doing that and going on the street corners and preaching heaven and hell. Watch what Jesus said. The one that said, that stuff's emotional to me. The one that said, follow me. I think we ought to follow him. We're so busy preaching about him, we forgot to follow him. Because he said, if I don't, look what he said. He gave men permission to not believe if he didn't manifest the Father. Didn't he? Is this my sermon or is this in your Bible? If I don't do the works of my Father, then don't believe me. Do you know there's a place here where he says, if I didn't come and do the things that I did, we well, says say and do or do and say, he said they would have no sin. Mm-hmm. 
But he came and showed man his state. The truth came in the face of the lie and exposed it. And if he wouldn't have done the things that he did, they would have no way out. They, they, they would be blind and innocent in that sense. Watch this. If I do not do the works of my Father, then don't believe me. When I read that, guys, I feel like I would do an injustice to the culture and society around me if I just preached they need to get born again or get saved or pray a prayer to go to heaven or believe what I believe without demonstrating Him. Jesus said, if I don't do the works of my Father... See, what separates... John G. Lake used to say, what separates Christianity from every other religion is the power of God. Everyone else, everybody else is a philosophy or a doctrine. And what makes Christianity different is, you can say, scoliosis come out of the spine right now. Go straight every vertebrae in Jesus' name. And the spine can go... There was a there was a there was a time I, I don't even keep track of stuff anymore. There was a time a, within a year ago where I saw that about thirty times in an eight month period where it was extreme s. Couple when I was traveling hunchback, shoulder pushed way out like that. Probably thirty times in about an eight month period where we heard saw. I was in a tent revival. I was at a youth a youth thing. That was the youth thing where we saw the fire coming off the kids on the, on the uh, digital cameras. It was really, camera, it was really cool. From there, I drove to a tent revival of Methodists and Baptists that got together. And, and the Baptist pastor was sitting right on the front row. And I'm preaching with passion. And, and, and they, didn't, they wanted to know about healing. They, the pastor said, we want revival, but we want the power of God. And he said, we don't understand it. I watched one of your videos and I just cried. And I thought, man, this is real. I could see your sincerity, this Methodist pastor. And he invited me to this tent revival. He had five or six other pastors from other churches there and all these folks out under a big pavilion in the open. And it was neat because I was preaching in two states ministering in two states at once. I figured my anointing's really growing when I can be at two places at once. Because I was, I was standing... In, in, in uh, North Carolina and they were sitting in Virginia. <laughs> I was right on the line. The pulpit was right on the marker, Dean. Right on the boundary markers. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, I'm preaching in North Carolina and people in Virginia are getting healed, baby. <laughs> My anointing is growing. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> but, 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 but here's what happened. I'm preaching... This kind of gospel. That we're the church and, and, and the works. And if I don't do, then don't believe. And we're just trying to get people to go to heaven. And the pastors are sitting there going, yeah. And I'm preaching this. And this Baptist pastor, Sam, I'll never forget it. It was a very touching moment. This, this, uh, this, this place was just on the edge of their seat. I had a microphone with a cord. I was trapped. I was on a leash. I was like, and I just couldn't go anywhere. The next day they had me a, a lapel and I told the people in the back, you are not safe tonight. And it was funny. I was having fun with them. And they were like, 
<laughs> God is so ready to reveal himself to hungry people. Now watch. I believe even in an obstinate atmosphere, he can move. So atmosphere, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think too much about atmosphere. I think about the kingdom in me when I travel. Because if you start getting caught up in, boy, it feels like resistance. Who, who cares? I'm not being arrogant. You guys know my heart enough by now, hopefully. Who cares if he's Lord? If greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Because they don't even know sometimes that resistance you feel when you're ministered. They don't even know why they feel the way they feel. It's all they've ever been taught. It doesn't mean they're evil. It doesn't mean they're ungodly. It doesn't mean they're Pharisees. They could just be unlearned, untaught, unsure. So, you know, but these people were saying we've not been taught and we want God. And something really was crackly clean. <laughs> it was like, whoa, <laughs> really? Because there's a corporate hunger. There's the corporate childlike heart. There's a corporate innocence. There's, a, there's people there. There, there. Where wasn't even anybody sitting there like this? The Baptist pastor is like this. Because when I'm preaching... I'm setting myself up while I'm preaching to either look foolish or for God to be glorified the way I started preaching. And I don't always actually always do that. I didn't, I, I, I really did that. I mean, I'm not conscious of not doing it, but, but the way I preached, I said, you'll see in a minute. In just a minute, we're going to pray. And da, 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 And I was just preaching what God was about to do. And I'm preaching. And I said, I need somebody that's physically really hurting. That your body has been, been messed up by something. And it's obvious and physical. Like, and I named a couple things. And I said, even if it's a severe scoliosis. And I named a couple other things. A paralysis or something. I named a couple things. And uh, this lady raised her hand. Her body was so manipulated by scoliosis, it was probably one of the worst bodies I've seen from scoliosis. Like, if she put her arms out, it was probably like that. Her feet were about like that. And, you know? And when I asked, like, even when she said me, and I said, can you tell you have scoliosis? Is it obvious? She said, oh my goodness, yeah. And she did and stood up and I went, I got real excited. And I giggled. I said, oh, this is going to be awesome. And I said, oh, forgive me. I am not excited. You're hurting and in heaven. Forgive me, guys, please. I said, I'm excited because of Jesus. Because he paid the price and I got real emotional. And this pastor's sitting there going, you're kidding me. This, this has to happen now. He's just sitting there freaked out, the pastor. Because he knows this. And, and, and I'm not saying this in a bad way. He knows that he has nothing in his understanding to be able to stand and do that. He would be freaked out right now. And with all good intent and all sincerity, he's preaching the gospel he heard growing up and that he feels he's commissioned to preach. And now he's hearing it in, in, in the way that Jesus lived it and represented it. This lady came up and got on the front row. I said, I need you to get up here. I said, I need everybody to gather around. I want you to be a part of this. And they're all gathered around and everybody's like already weeping because there's such a reverence. They're like, oh my God, this isn't about, this is just God's about to move. They, they could, you could just, oh, it was so fun. And... I was ready to pray, and the Lord said, let, this is exactly what the Lord said to me, let her husband do the honor. <laughs> He's the one that was massaging her every night, rubbing cream on her, <laughs> praying over her. 
When I said, sir, I just heard to let you do the honor. Would you like to pray? And I said, I want you to, it's very simple. I said, I want you to this and say this. And her body will come into alignment. Her bones will move and shift. And, her, and this Baptist pastor is not even looking at them. He's staring at me. <laughs> serious. He's like, because he's watching and realizing that I'm dead serious. Like completely stone serious when I mean dead serious. The husband barely got anything out of his mouth. Serious. He barely even spoke. One of them quick prayers. Oh! Oh! He didn't even have to speak to the L and the C and the... (laughs) Serious. It was beautiful. He barely spoke. And she started to shake and cry. And we heard bones crunch and pop and people and God did that on purpose he didn't have to do that he made them extra loud (laughs) he did that for everybody's sake though serious because it wrecked everybody people are standing there oh my god and they're just undone why because of the works of the father And Jesus says something so powerful. If I don't do the works, then don't believe me. He actually gives men permission to not believe if he didn't do the work. Now, you don't hear people preaching that. (laughs) But look, he doesn't stop there because he's not loose-ended. He's not saying, hey, it's okay to not believe because he's not planning on not doing the work. (laughs) Well, this is convicting, isn't it? When that lady's body lined up, she's taking her arms and going, sitting in the chair. She didn't stand up yet. She's going like this. And she's bawling profusely. People crying everywhere. The Baptist pastor just started to bawl. I mean, ball. When her body, he's sitting right beside her, like hip to hip. He leaped out of his chair, grabbed me like a bear hug, and just started bawling. And I said, God bless you. This is awesome. God's really moving. And I, I said, I appreciate you, Pastor Sam. And, 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 but I got a word and I said, there's something going on with elbows. Who has pain? I, I, I said, there's, there's something, there's elbow dysfunction. It's tendonitis. There's some other injury. I don't know why I'm here an elbow right now. And this man said, I injured my elbow. He said, I can only do this with my arm. It stops right here. I said, you guys, grab his elbow. Say, be loosed and free in Jesus' name. You, ma'am, what is it? She said, it's tendonitis. I said, somebody touch her. I said, what? She said, she's way in the back. I said, look, we can't reach you. Just flex your arm. Be healed in Jesus. It was a quick prayer. Be healed in Jesus' name. I didn't even speak to the ligaments. Praise God. I I got that yesterday. (laughs) Be healed. Here's what she did. She's crying. Watch what happened. Watch what happened. This guy that's arm is locked is going like this, crying, going, oh, and then he starts throwing it down so hard that I'm thinking we're going to have to pray for him again. I'm thinking, I don't even know if your elbow's made for that. He's like, and I'm like, oh. 
Bobby's sitting there. Bobby's sitting there who's cynical, doesn't want to come to church. He's mad. He's angry. His knees are degenerate for 15 years, and it just got to the point where he's on permanent disability. He can't even work. He can't get up and down his knees. He walks like this, and his wife, he has one of these lovely wives that said, wonderful wife that said, oh, quit your complaining and come to church. If there's anything you need, it's church. We're going. Now come, get in the car. She's drugging the church. She, she told that that's how he got to church. And uh, so they get to church and Bobby's sitting there and Bobby's looking around and he's like, and, and I don't know anything about Bobby. I have no discernment, no words of knowledge. I didn't even see him walk in with his knees bad. I didn't, I missed all that. But the guys of the church. When God starts moving like this, compassion is rampant and faith is everywhere. And guess what they start thinking about? This is the first time these people ever saw the supernatural, ever. They have never seen anybody healed. Without any instruction. See, this is how it's supposed to be. Without, without any instruction, without any... Textbook teaching, okay. Just childlike, Jesus. <laughs> right? They run over, Bobby, your knees. Your knees can be made whole. And I'm watching this. Three, like three men get down and knees be healed. Knees be made whole. Bobby starts crying. They say, bend your knees, Bobby. I am not I am not instigating. I'm standing there going, I am so pumped. Because I realize innocence and the works of Jesus and what it releases. All of a sudden, these men knew that something was available, that if he did it here, he can do it there. It just was natural to them. It just They ran over, they prayed. Now watch, this is like a movie script. And, and it's just fun. This is, I'm not dramatizing this. Like Alana's story, I did exaggerate very much. But I'm not, I'm not dramatizing this. She, she, they're praying. He's bawling. His wife is undone bawling because she's saying in her heart, this is the change of his life. Because he's been frustrated, hurting. What about God? Big deal. And she's one of these wives that would just love her husband to wake up with a smile and go to church and not have to drag him. And she's, you know, and, and, and she's just feeling like, oh my God, this is a change for Bobby and da, da, da. And it wasn't even, I didn't perceive it as some selfish thing like, yay, he's finally changed. She was happy for him. He stands up, he's moving his knees, he stands up, he says, oh, he's bawling. It's just like a movie. We're in a tent, like an open pavilion thing. He runs out onto the grass field. He's in North Carolina now. <laughs> I mean, this guy ran from Virginia to North Carolina with his new knee. Serious. He, he's, he's across the border. He's out in the field running in circles, crying, going. And he's running, like running, running in circles, crying. Going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He runs in. I can't do it here. But he leaped up on a table, something like this about this high, and there was a big amp or speaker there. He jumped up on it and went, Thank you, Jesus! And he jumps in the air and lands on his feet on the floor. He's just high! He can't even walk. He just got put on permanent disability. He runs. He, it was just like this. He got on the table. This was about it. He got up on an amp 
And he's crying profusely. Oh my God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. His wife's, everybody's, Sam's hanging on me. And I'm like, God, the gospel's so amazing. He wants to do this stuff. Look what it did to the people when God moved. I was, they were doing a five-day revival. I was told them I'd do the next night. And then I, I had to head home because I've been going since Wednesday before. And now it's Tuesday. So I was, I've been away a long time. <laughs> they begged me to stay. And I said, absolutely not. I said, the kingdom's in you guys. And I called the pastors together that were going to preach the rest of the week. I said, you're not compared to me. You don't have to measure up to me. Just preach Jesus, man, and pray for the sick. He's here. You can't miss it unless you get self-conscious and try to compare to me and try to be like I was or something. All I did was give you Jesus. Just give the people Jesus and pray for the sick. Pastor Rick called me overwhelmed. Said every night people got healed, miraculously healed, every night. He called me, man. About two months later, weeping, he wrote me a letter in between that that was just gracious and made me cry. But eight weeks later, he, he, he called me again. The letter was amazing about the demonstration, about walking out Christ and, and bringing them a model. And he, and he actually compared it to Jesus' day and the disciples. That's what he did in the letter. And I'm like, oh. He calls me, Rick Lindemood calls me eight weeks later weeping, overwhelmed thank you for the gospel watch what he said not one week has passed since you've been here that we haven't seen the supernatural and people healed and restored they're starting to come in to our church and bring the sick and we've seen God heal people every week since you've been here This thing wants to take over the earth. What stumbles us is we get momentum like that and then we don't see something happen. And I'm encouraging you, church, because here's what we tend to do then. Because we get momentum. And then it happened to me. I saw a couple blind eyes open right in a row. And then I just started attacking the blind. And prayed for about five and didn't see anything change. And my mind was going bonkers. And instead of it building momentum, the fact that a couple eyes opened started to be more of a detriment when they didn't open. You get what I'm saying? And what I had to do was let that get me back to a place where all the more reason to go after him because it didn't happen. Because they have to open. You've got to get that in your heart. They have to open. Because you're Lord and you love them with your life. And you've given me the kingdom. They have to open. Not to where I'm carrying a weight I can't bear, but a conviction that I can release. And since then, I went on that five. Since then, we've actually been seeing again just a lot of good things with eyes. Uh, Just got an email, glaucoma, macular degenerate, and cataracts completely gone. Completely. Uh, Was just in a service where a lady had total cataracts the, 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 the lights were just like white milk and when she looked into them it was just haze in her eyes everyone disappeared another lady macular degenerate uh, saw some eyesights restored in a service recently where the people couldn't read things and they were standing back reading completely uh, 
See, we're just, we're not going to stumble when we don't see what we say we're believing. We're going to contend for Him all the more and we're going to get our hands on that situation all the more because we believe He heals the sick. When you draw back, then you reveal that you're in turmoil and you're in quandary. When a person with cancer dies and then you don't pray for anybody with cancer anymore and you're, you're gun shy, that reveals you've been rocked and shaken. When you jump right back in and pray for somebody with cancer, you're making a bold statement spiritually. Look, I know they passed, but I know He's Lord. And I know He heals. Cancer, get out of their body. I, uh, I, oblige, I oblige, when I travel, I oblige some things with people uh, and go personally and do visits. I don't do that as much at home here because of the whole... Because I'm only at a place for a little while and there's, you've got to model things. But here, your whole push, our whole emphasis, and even when I travel, our whole emphasis is like in that open pavilion. They're praying for Bobby already. The whole push is we're the body of Christ. There's no superstar. There's no hero. There's no... We all have the kingdom. Right? And it's like awesome. But I've been, I've been privileged traveling just in the last few months with pastors saying, listen man, uh, I'm growing in this thing. There's a situation. There's a shut-in. There's a this, that. I mean, I could tell you some serious stuff we've just watched. Healings. Like, incredible. Like one lady for months hasn't even been out of bed in so much pain and her husband's a Mormon. And we walked in there and I loved on him and I turned to her and I talked to her and it was like I was prophesying. I could just, I could just feel it. It was like, God, you're amazing. It's like he just came. And every bit of her pain left her body. And God just touched her and the Mormon husband began to cry, cry and say how this was the most beautiful thing he's ever experienced. And, and he understood and acknowledged it was Jesus. And we just hugged and it was amazing. Saw a girl get released from the hospital who was incurable and unchangeable condition. And they observed her for 48 hours and sent her home. And when I got home, the pastor emailed me and said, she's home. She was eating through the mouth for the first time in six years. It's just one prayer. The authority of the name of Jesus. (laughs) That girl... Aggression came because you don't plan this stuff. It's not a script. You're not, it's not a method. It's sometimes you're soft and gentle. Sometimes you're aggressive. Sometimes you feel like you were too wild and loud. Sometimes you feel like you were too soft. It's not about any of that. It's about sincere love and faith through that love. But I remember looking at that girl and I said, Listen, honey, I know you're in a tight spot, but I'm telling you straight up, it sounded like, where are you coming from? I was, I'm not here to sympathize with you today. And I didn't come to pat you on the back and say, poor honey. I came here to see that thing destroyed out of your body because Jesus is Lord. And I looked her right in the eyes and began to speak like that. And she just started bawling. Because the Spirit of God came upon her. And we spoke to the infirmity and commanded it out of her. And that day, she got her appetite back and ate out of, in her mouth. She was on a feed tube for six years. <clears throat> ate it out of her mouth a couple hours later and the nurses said, are you sure? She said, oh, I'm sure. I am hungry and I need to eat. They gave her more. The next day, more. The next day, they sent her home. I don't know about you. That so impresses me. That flesh, yet filled with the Spirit, can say, infirmity, you come out of her and torment her no more. 
let her go. And it says, yes, sir. Not because of who I am. Not because of who you are. Because of who he is in you. Yes, sir. I'm out of here. Did you get it? Come on. I can tell you a lot of those stories. I don't even... John, John is so funny. He's always, give me more testimonies. What's more testimonies? I said, nope. I don't tell him any testimonies anymore. Because he puts them on the computer. He records them. He's, and, and, and I don't even tell him. He says, yeah, but the power of the testimony. The power of the testimony. I say, I understand. So go get a couple testimonies and tell them. <laughs> but but, but uh, you have to be careful sometimes. Just, uh, but but there, there is a lot happening. God is moving, and it, it, it's a powerful thing to me, guys. And we'll, we'll take a break, and we'll pick up. Mary, did you have a question? Quick. No, I actually had a testimony. Okay. I wanted to share on that line. That is what you're talking about. Um, it's an older one, but it's relevant. It, when uh, here was down in Hopkins, for the, yes. there was a little boy down the hall, and um, he was like five years old. He was in there, had some kind of... A birth disorder that messed up his entire testicle system. It was like all knotted up, whatever. He was not able to eat. And I remember him in the down in his room just crying and begging his mom, please, I'm just so hungry and he won't let me eat. And um, oh. the doctors were like, we can't give him anything. He's going to vomit it all, whatever. We heard this from like a couple doors down. And this was the day after her surgery. And we were in listening to Veggie Tales about Bigger Than the Boogeyman at very loud decibels. And the nurse's was like, Wow, check out this little kid down here who's having a party, you know. Right. And so she's she's like, Well daddy, you gotta go down and pray for him. So um, we all went down and laid hands on that little boy. And I believe it was about forty five minutes to an hour later. We asked permission to get something for him because we laid hands on him and, and he just like reading. He's like so anyway, long story short, um, he was released from the hospital completely eating. Um, I believe it was the day after Kira left. And those two were like running the hall, eating everything in sight. And, um, and his mother was sitting there, and she's like, because we perceived that she had knowledge and understanding of the Lord. She's like weeping, and she's like, I have backslidden for so long. And so we prayed for her, for just, you know, the Lord to touch her and... And restore that love back again because she just really felt like she was responsible for the condition of her son and, and you know all that stuff. Do you, see, all do you see how it snapped her back to the reality of her convictions? Sometimes when all you have is doctrine in the word in the sense of a, a philosophy or a doctrine, you, you tend to wane from it. It grows old in your heart. You kind of know it and it convicts you. But, but I'll tell you what, when God just comes and breathes on somebody and changes something that only the supernatural can change... It sobers people. It, I've seen mothers in healing services, their kids get healed and they collapse on the floor and rededicate their life and confess their sins. I mean, I could tell you story after story about that right there, just the parents falling apart. In, the, in that same week while we were there, um, there was a woman that was cleaning the rooms and she kept walking by our room. And looking in, and like she was nervous, like really nervous. Well, she finally stopped, and she's like, um, I need your little girl to pray for me. <laughs> and so we, she came in, and we got to start praying over her, and Pierce started praying over her, and actually started prophesying over this woman about how Satan had her in his grips, and how 
all this other stuff. She was in drugs. Very, long story short, she was set free in there. Um, she had been out in the street doing drugs and all that stuff. And here she was an ordained minister prior to that, had backslidden oh, the drugs. Wow. And um, we just, you know, here spoke in her life. We prayed her and all that stuff. And we never saw her after that. She, she walked out of the ministry. It was just, it was so cool, though, how things were happening. Um, God was just so moving, and people were recognize that you've kind of like you know the drones the absolutely it, it just awakens so much in people so one more thing you know, um, yesterday I had to turn it off real quick I had to flip the television on and um, I'm not a fan at all of Oprah but there was a program on yesterday that we're talking about some John of God I believe in Brazil or something that people were flocking to and they were saying it was really a twisted message you were saying about you know well why are some people healed not other people and you were saying and the members like well let me get this straight so it's basically the energy that these people are coming in with to determine whether or not they're healed and I'm just like oh did not just say that there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a fellow over in Europe who who a familiar spirit comes upon him and manifests and claims to be the Apostle Paul and then they ask they ask him all kinds of questions about his life and ministry and this guy literally yields himself he's, he's like it's a mediation thing a mediator thing he yields himself and the spirit takes him over and he changes personality, language, voice, tone, everything. And you ought to hear the twisted answers when they say about healing and about Jesus. And, and yeah, but how come so much of what you say now is different than what you wrote when you were on the earth? That was one of the questions. Well, it's because we know so in part now. And in then I was so, I had a piece of truth and I was so diligent that God permitted that. But once I got to be with him, once I got into eternity, then everything's answered. Everything makes sense. And I realized that, wow, most of what I wrote didn't have any credibility. And oh, I, I, somebody gave me the book. But here's what's happening. It's spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication. Here's what's happening. Remember how if I don't do the works of my Father? Satan understands that principle. So why not afflict somebody and then have the affliction move, leave, and have everybody go, wow. Right? So this guy is doing this uh, new age metatransitory stuff and, and, and he, he's standing there and he's doing these things and getting people to stand at energy points and, and, and all of a sudden the powerless leaves the body. And everybody's like following this guy like you are the Apostle Paul in the flesh. And, and this, he comes and he manifests and it's a familiar spirit. It's a demonic spirit and it's to deceive the many. And people chase that stuff because of the fruit. And they don't even care. You should have heard the testimony in this book of the people that got healed seemingly through his ministry where they all just, they're, they're totally sold out because this man was the answer for their life. You see what I'm saying? And I've read this thing and I'm like, wow, this thing is so laced in deception. Strategic, intense deception, like high-level deception. And it's on purpose because the gospel is so amazing and the truth is so awesome. This stuff wouldn't even be if the gospel wasn't so real. There wouldn't be such a war. 
if the gospel wasn't so real. You see? But I read the book. A guy gave me the book because he was like, he was in one of our meetings and he was like really lifting this guy up. And, and I said, man, I said, listen. I said, I'll take the book and I'll check it out. I think I still have it at home. Because somebody said, I wouldn't even have that book in the house. I said, well, why? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just take a break. Get out of here. Go. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so isn't that amazing? Are you on it? No. Who said that? Now I am. I don't think about it because I don't hear the... Because I know it's not a mic. Watch this. Let's pick up where we were, guys. It says, If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. Now watch what he says. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in Him. So there's people that say, Well, I don't know about what you're saying, man. You know? And then there's a bearing witness through the works. So what he's saying is, Let the works that I do lead you to believe even what I'm saying, that, that what I'm doing is from the Father. So now, now in light of that, think about Nicodemus. Nobody can do, not say. He didn't say nobody can say the things you say. He said nobody can do the things you do. Nicodemus in John 3. Why don't you just back up a few chapters? We're almost right there. Nobody can do... This man came, verse 2, to Jesus by night. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly or truly I say to you, unless one, you hear how he's opening that up to anybody? Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We well, certainly wasn't talking about visualizing it or taking it in because Nicodemus saw the works. That's why he came. It wasn't talking about you're, you're, you're going to be blind to the works. It, it means you're not going to see them, meaning they're not going to be in your life. You're not going to do those things. And then he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, verse 5, in the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? So we get born again. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us a kingdom. We enter into the kingdom of God and now we're to go preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's go to Matthew 10. I'm taking this slow. I want to really lay a foundation. I want you to be able to really see and understand why we preach what we preach. And, uh, and don't get stumbled by the things that aren't happening. I, I, I remember one of the first times I, I worked and did anything with Randy Clark. He's, he's just, uh, it was a neat comment he made. He said, listen guys, the bottom line of everything I'm saying, he did this long thing on just healing and he was just really teaching and covering lots of information. And when he wrapped it up, he said, listen, this is, he said, in all that I said, I really think this is, this is where it should take us. He said, let's just get our hands on the sick. He said, I'm convinced the more people we pray for, the more people we'll see healed. That's just so simple. We're like, yeah, button, and well, they weren't healed, and da-da-da, which we're going to talk about that comment anyway, that whole God didn't heal. Even 
Who asked the question about lining people up and healed? That was you yesterday. It's a good question, but there's something I want to make a comment. I thought about it later. I thought, man, I didn't, because we were just talking about a lot of stuff and I didn't nail that down. And uh, let me just do that real quick right now. Reading things face value and determining face value what God did and didn't is subvertive to faith. It's not faith. In other words, if the pain's still there, to use the language, well, God, I wonder why God didn't heal. We have to be very careful that we stay in a position of faith. Here's what faith, here's what faith isn't. Faith isn't a switch and a point in time that we're applying to get results. It's not something we put on and turn off. Faith is what we live by. So faith is literally the position of your heart to receive what he paid for and accomplished. Always. You're always in yes mode. You're always in green light mode. You're always in God. Is It's not a weird, you know, some, some of the twists that came in, it, it wasn't the original message of word of faith. I don't believe it was ever the intention of the men of God in word of faith, but, but I'm not highlighting a, a movement and finding fault with it. What people made the word of faith to be, uh, I think, caused some damage in people's ability, like the name it, claim it, and you're just in denial. I mean, word of faith shifted into, and it wasn't like that in the beginning, like to where if somebody had a bone sticking out, and you'd say, brother, what'd you do to your arm? Man, there's a bone sticking out of your elbow. What bone, brother? You know? I'm healed. I was healed 2,000 years ago. By his stripes, I'm here. What bone, brother? You know, I'm the blessed. I'm blessed coming in and going out. They're quoting all this scripture. And that's not faith. That has nothing to do with faith. We've gotten to the point where when you ask somebody how you can pray for them, they say, well, I just don't, I don't really want to tell you. I don't know if I should tell you because I don't want to claim it. You're not claiming it. You're just saying how we can pray for you. <laughs> We've gotten real weird on that one, man. It'd be like Jean sitting there, and I'm sitting here, and she says, How you doing, Dan? And I'm like, uh, Oh, I'm doing great. You know me. I'm a child of God. Praise God. I'm blessed every day. I wake up with joy, and the Spirit of God is upon me, and I'm feeling good. And the whole time, my head is like splitting open from pain. And I'm like, Praise God. Bless God. See, that's not faith. Okay? We, that is not faith. Here's what faith is. You know, I'm really glad you ask. Because right now my head feels like it's splitting open from pain. But I know the will of God to heal me and the price he paid. And I know you're a woman of God. Would you grab my hand and pray with me? Because I know, I know I could be healed. That's faith. And then you pray. Getting into this praise God, bless God place where you can't say anything that you're going through gets really weird. <laughs> that was the other thing I remember now that I'm thinking about Randy Clark. He said, uh, he said, you got me. He said, man, when I first started traveling, I'd go to Word of Faith churches and I didn't even realize what was happening. He said, he said, I would preach on healing and then I'd have an order call and nobody'd stand up and move. He said, because every church you go to, there's a lot of people that need prayer seemingly. And, and he said, we know this healing thing needs taught because there's a lot of people that need prayer. He said, but I'd go to Word of Faith church and I'd say, anybody need prayer for healing? Come on to the altar. We're going to pray. God's going to move. And nobody'd move. And he's like, what? And all of a sudden he thought, okay. He'd say, how many of you out there are healed waiting for the manifestation? And they'd all stand up and come up front. Because then they felt like they weren't claiming their sickness. (laughs) It's just funny. That is so funny. (laughs) 
he'd say, how many of you are healed waiting for the manifestation? Because that's the big phrase. Oh, I'm healed, brother. It just hasn't manifested yet, but I'm healed. I was healed 2,000 years ago. It was by a strength. I was healed, brother. <laughs> it's like, and we think that's what makes us healed, that we're holding on to that kind of confession. No, it's understanding that you're in the midst of something that's not the will of God, not your creative value. He paid the price to remove it. And in a faith that's working through love and relationship, you're being made whole. It's that simple. Just keep it that simple. You don't have to be afraid to say you have a headache. But when you say you have a headache, acknowledge and understand that it's the will of God to restore you. It's not your creative value. And you know what? The thing's just kind of distracting me today and I don't want it there. I wasn't created for this. I know you love me, God. Get somebody and pray with you. Amen? Not how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Oh. Okay. Enough on that. Does somebody have a question? I thought I saw a hand. Okay. Maybe I didn't. Matthew 10. We were here yesterday. We just didn't get very far. In fact, we didn't get far at all. We just read, as you go, preach, saying. And then we never went past that, did we? As far as Matthew 10. I want you to see this. As you go, preach, verse 7. You're sending them out. Now, what are they preaching? The kingdom of God is what? Is at hand or has drawn near or is near you? Or literally translates to mean it's in reach. Right, as you go, so you have to go. As you go, so we're all going to go. Preach saying what? The kingdom of heaven is where? It's near, it's at hand, it's here, it's within reach. Isn't that cool? Now we know also that Jesus said, don't, don't look here, don't look there, for the kingdom of God is within you. Now, Jesus tells us the kingdom is within us and we're to go preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand and then lay hands on the sick or heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead and cast out devils. Why? Because the kingdom's in us. What's the kingdom consist of? Setting men free and making people whole. Remember, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Luke 4. Because he has, why is the spirit of the Lord upon me to make me feel good? Because he's anointed me. Oh, don't just get caught up into... Feeling good and having a good day. He's here because he's anointed you. And in the anointing, you feel really good. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) It's okay to feel good. I feel good. (laughs) And I like it. (laughs) But the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he's anointed me. And if you look at the language, it's literally to make men free. The reason you're anointed is to make men free. I want to know if I'm hearing this correctly. That is what we're learning today. Saying that God's natural should become our natural, absolutely, and the world natural should become our unnatural. Absolutely. What we what we think is supernatural is because we've been in the natural world. Yeah, totally. And 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 what's normal to God. He wants to become normal to us and he wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, renewed in the spirit of our mind. So watch this. I don't know if we understand how important it is that I keep, I keep pounding this thing that we were not saved to go to heaven. We didn't pray a prayer to go to heaven. It, that, it is, that actually, the more I'm looking at that and saying that, the more I see is it's so subvertive to the whole truth of the picture when our focus is going to heaven someday. Yeah. It just cancels everything that we're saved for. It actually supersedes everything. And our whole life, that's all we heard our whole life, to get your name in a book and go to heaven. Yeah. That's all we've heard. 
But the kingdom of God coming and Nicodemus, the things you do, and unless you're born again, uh, you won't see this, but if you are born again, you will. Well, he wasn't talking about with his eyes because he already saw them. He's talking about manifest them and have them flow through his own life. You follow me? You're going to see this. Watch. As you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that's the message. As we go, you show me one place Jesus told us to go and tell the people to pray a prayer to go to heaven. You show me where we got that. I don't even know where we got that. In every commission, it's go make disciples, make believers, teach them to observe everything I taught you. They're going to lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. As you go, preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Hey, whatever city you're in, heal the sick there and tell them the kingdom's here. Every commission, every instruction from Jesus to men is all about the supernatural, the power of God, the restoration of humanity. It, it was never just limited to praying a prayer to go to heaven someday. There's nowhere he said that. Watch. Preach saying the kingdom of God is here. It's within reach. So he wants us to preach it and then demonstrate it. If I do the works of my father, then, then you ought to believe. If I don't do the works of the father, I don't believe. So now he's telling us to preach, but now he's telling us to do. Heal the sick. So you, you'll see how this consists of the kingdom. Watch. I don't know if you ever saw this before or not, but this is, this is and I, I don't know if I've ever preached it quite this way, but this is how I'm seeing it right now, and I'm going to just preach it this way. Well, this isn't the first time I've ever said it. I just don't know how often I've said it. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Now watch the next phrase. Freely you have what? Freely you so when you receive the kingdom, what's the kingdom consist of? What do you receive? You receive healing, deliverance, power over death. He's saying everything that you got by being born again, now you go give to the world that needs me. Freely you've... What did they receive? Do you think those guys were walking in wholeness? I guarantee you they were when he said that. <laughs> Do you think they were free from tormenting spirits and, and anxieties and depression and nightmares and fear? That doesn't mean that Peter can't stumble into love in his own life when he, he whacks off a guy's ear. He whacks off a guy's ear. He's pretty serious. He was ready to die. They all had clubs and swords. He had one little sword and he whacked off a guy's ear and there's a hundred men standing there that could have took him out in a heartbeat. So he, he was pretty valiant. And then they watched, he watched the shepherd struck go away like a prisoner, look defeated and beaten. And then the love for his own life lost his heart. Hey, you know this guy? Hey, you were with him? No, no, no. Right? You know the story. So things can shift and change. You can have a revelation that Jesus is the Christ by the Father and three verses later have your mind set on the things of man and not God. But there is a package that Jesus is trying to make revealed here that comes that defines the kingdom. Preaching the kingdom is at hand is healing and, and cleansing and, and power over death and power over demonic spirits 
Why do we do that? Because you freely received that. Do you see that in your Bible? So the kingdom of God is defined in the restoration of man. And you've received that through me, so give that through me. That's all he's saying. It's right in your my Bible. Go to Luke chapter 10 with me, please. See, I'm not, I, I mean, I, I know kind of how we got away from that in the church because of so much loss and death and unanswered prayer, but how we really got away from going for the goal, the prize of the high call, I'm really not sure how we got away from this message over the generations and how it gets so defended against. Did you ever notice what we're preaching this morning gets defended against, like contested real strongly a lot of times by people that, are, that love God? The best they understand. Reason these two verses is the whole Bible right here, all in one. I mean, the, that would be enough for you to live your whole life right there. Yeah, it's nutshell, man. There's so much power in that. You go preach, John. You come through me, and you're in me, and I'm in you. This is Jesus talking to you. Now you go and you preach to the world what I've done and given you. You go reproduce what I've given you. You go. That's why identity is so important. That's why dying to ourselves, picking up our cross, following Him. That's why letting the gospel define you is so huge. The first couple weeks of this whole class, that's all we talked about. And becoming love. Why? Because everything else subverts you from this purpose. Everything else hinders this. Everything else muddies your vision. Everything else keeps you from just being confident that Christ is in you. People get insecure, uncertain, unsure, turn back and introvert back into self-consciousness and self-centeredness. They look in the mirror and don't see what Jesus accomplished. And all of a sudden you're far away from your destiny, your calling, your purpose and the things that are freely given. It's freely here. It's on the table. What God is saying, watch this. I... I turn from Matthew 10, but remember he says, for, go heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils, raise the dead, cast out devils. He said, for freely you receive, freely you give. That one scripture alone says it's the will of God to heal. There's no way around it. You would have to, you would have to willingly just argue to get around that. That scripture alone tells you it's God's will to heal. <laughs> This thing is so simple. Oh my goodness. The only reason we struggle is because it has not been our experience. And the more we struggle, the more we're guaranteed to struggle. Because then when you set a doctrine in place less than truth, you're always settled for less results. And you accept them even though we're not even able to live with them. We almost defend loved ones dying and can't bear their loss. Do you see the trap we're in? We can't bear losing them, but we defend and actually somehow paint a picture that God's responsible and try to crutch our soul, but we can't even bear the loss. You'd be amazed how many family members hold on to doctrine that permits their loved ones to be gone and they still cry themselves to sleep and pass pictures and cry. Years later, they're still in grief and remorse. And then their whole life is set that way and there's a tone. Unproductive, no fruitfulness, just waiting for this whole crazy mess to be over and Jesus to come and get us. Missing the whole point of why we're here. We're here to reveal the Father through the Son. 
Amen? Luke 10. I just want you to see this stuff in your Bible. We could preach it out. I just want you to see it. Verse 8. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things which are set before you. He's talking about people taking you in their homes, taking you in their house. He's not talking about don't preach if they don't believe. He's not saying that. He's talking about them not taking anything on their journey. No money bags, no nothing. They were just going to live. People were going to take them in. You eat such things. I mean, if somebody's nice enough to take you in, eat their peanut butter and jelly, don't ask if they don't have steak. (laughs) It's like, don't you have a box of frozen shrimp or something at least? (laughs) I don't know. It's just saying, just be thankful. Just take whatever they give you, just eat. It's a simple thought. But look, you have to connect the beginning of verse 8 with the beginning of verse 9. Whatever city you enter, heal the sick there. Right? Isn't that what he's saying? Is he saying that? It says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you. Okay? So he's just talking about people taking you in. And they take you in, you have a place to stay, and, 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 and you got a bed to sleep in, they're, they're, they're feeding you. Man, just be thankful, this is awesome, they're providing for you. But while you're there, guess what he's saying? Heal the sick, and then what do you say to them? The kingdom has come near to you. So what's the definition of the kingdom? The definition of the kingdom is when the sick are being healed. When people are getting free from demonic powers. When the dead are raising. When lepers are being cleansed. When diseases are being smote. When when the people are sick, the reason is because the kingdom's here and the kingdom's in the people that are praying. It's it's just it's there's no way around this. It's so clear. Right, so I mean basically you know, the the kingdom of God has come near to you. In the physical thing, you know, would be through the disciples. Through the disciples. It means it's at hand. It's in reach. The reason you're healed, sir, is because the kingdom's here. Where is it? It's in me, and it just flowed through me into your body. And then you can explain Jesus. You can explain. People say all the time in public, I'll sit on an airplane, get talking to somebody, say, man, let me just, can I just hold your hand for a second? I just want to see your hand. Well, okay. Bang. It's just, there's just sweet stories, and they, and they're like, Oh my gosh, how does that, how can that be? What did you just do? You know, people will tell you, I've been on these pills or I've been through this therapy and I've been, and oh my gosh. And you say, well, it's the kingdom. What do you mean? Well, Jesus said to heal the sick and tell them it's the kingdom. Here's what it means. And then the, the best you understand, you convey to them in a very simple way so they can understand. And sometimes it's a little different. You have to, there's, you grow in that. It's not a textbook. Well, this is my response. It's just getting used to flowing with people. Some people are on a different page than others, a different level. Some people you're talking like you feel like you're talking to a kindergartner, but that's okay because God likes that. Some people have more of the terms and the knowledge. I like to share my own personal conviction. 
I share a lot. Well, listen, the real deal is this. I found in the Bible that God made us in his image. And he gave us a command and we went some other way. We listened to other voice, another, another uh, mindset. And, and when we did that, we became so selfish and became God's actually under itself. Our minds have been God. We've been selfish driven. And I'll say about, I'll, I'll get really, especially if I have time with somebody on a plane or something. And I get talking and they're like, wow, yeah, whoa. I mean, you, would, you can't believe how freaked out people get when they really see the truth that their life has been self-serving, self-seeking. The whole beauty of the gospel, it's not about just going to heaven. I had a Christian sitting beside me on one of my last flights and she was from a church in Baltimore and she was so taken back by the message I was preaching to her and she was just like and asking questions I mean she was like undone and then she asked for the website and and we just prayed together but she was like oh my god she was like I've just been a confessing Christian wait to go to heaven this I haven't even realized this gospel has the power to change my life you know what I mean? And then she had a physical condition, and we prayed about that, and it was just awesome, Dean. Would you be called Christians or citizens of the kingdom? Well, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Christian means little Christ-like one. That works for me. Christian doesn't have a great name with the community or the public. Citizens of heaven. I mean, I wouldn't walk around and wear the t-shirt necessarily or introduce yourself as a citizen of the kingdom because people hear it as high-minded. They don't. You come in low. You come into people, you just say, I, you know, like Todd says, hey, I'm just a Christian. That's all he says. I'm just a Christian. And then some people say, no, you're not. I know Christians. <laughs> you're, you're not a Christian. So Christian might not be the best word. Uh, you know, believer. Uh, I tell, I just say to people, I just love God. That's what I tell people. Look, I just love God, man. Jesus is my king. And I'm real simple that way. People say, what denomination are you? What church do you go to? I tell them, man, I never figured out what denomination I am. I just love Jesus, man, with all my heart. Do you know what I mean? So you can get, you can get caught up in labels and phrases, but they were first called Christians in Antioch in the book of Acts. And when you look up the word, it actually, it's a beautiful name. Christian is a beautiful name because it literally means little Christ-like one. So I like that. It's just been profaned. It's, it's just been, been abused. The, the beauty of that's been abused. You know, so people can't appreciate the name Christian. It actually has a negative tone when they hear, oh, Christian, yeah. And it's actually supposed to be those that turn the world upside down. Whoa, Christians. Wow, yeah, I need to find a Christian. That's the way it could be. And that can turn around. You know, citizen of heaven, is that what you are? Absolutely, Dean. That can be in your personal prayer time, man. You can thank God for that and let that be so real in you where that thing just molds you and shapes you by grace into that place where that's all you can see. I am in your realm and you're in me and you live from that place. So, but those tags and those names that mean so much to us don't really mean much to people, watch, until they see the works of the Father. (laughs) you get it because uh, then they realize that's a big deal when you say you're you know hey I'm a son and I don't really talk like that in public to people there's a time where you can but you season your words with grace without compromise so it imparts grace to the hearer you have to speak on a level they can embrace what you're saying you don't want to Christianize them you know what I mean but you can simply share the kingdoms come. The kingdoms here. In the, in the public, you don't always have time to get in depth. Sometimes they're just drive-bys. They're on the way to lunch. They're just in a hurry. You run over to a window. Hey, you bless, you pray. And you just trust them with Holy Spirit. So don't get legalistic with all that. Oh, I love Hazlitt says. He had, he had to prophesy with kids 10 and 
Oh yeah. That's really cool. She was, she was, Morgan was mentioning how Bob Hazlett, the Lord had him prophesying over all the kids 10 and under at all the churches he went to and it was taking hours. And, and he was like, Lord, what are you doing? He said, because if you can prophesy to them, you can prophesy to anybody. In other words, he was speaking on their level in a language that they could connect. He was just talking plain. Right? So there's a place for you to grow. Here's, here's the other reason Oh, man, this is going to sound simple, but you'll, you'll get how profound this really is. This is why it's so important for you personally to have such a personal revelation and understanding of your own salvation, your own love for God, God's own love for you, your own reality, because only then can you clearly just convey it out of the natural of what's real to you. Or you're scripting. That's right. Follow me? Yes. <laughs> I did. Yeah, it's it's then you're just textbooking. Yeah, that's right. You want to talk out of the heart. One thing that I get all the time in my life is, man, you're so sincere. You seem so for real. You seem like you're so meaning what you see. So for, you know, and even in public, I hear that when I'm talking with somebody in public, people are like, man, you really believe what you, man. I I, I just feel like I can believe what you're saying. And da da da. Man, I'm looking in your eyes. You mean this. You're passionate. Da da da. And I'm like, yeah, I'm probably playing it cool for you. Because I'm a lot more passionate inside. I just don't want to freak you out. You know, because it's true. But, but see, because you're speaking out of your own reality. And then, then, then your words are the words of your own reality. They're not just what you're supposed to say now. Do you get it? That's why you don't, that's why you don't hear us, especially if you've ever been to a power and love, you don't hear us giving any steps or any do this, say this. We don't, do we? It's, we we're, we're just sharing intimacy, identity, because out of that place, you'll be the best you and it'll be real. And probably your only enemy to that would be critiquing yourself and introspectively in a negative way. I didn't say enough. I didn't do enough. Oh boy, I'm not. And being hard on yourself. Instead of, God, thank you for the honor and the words I spoke into them. God, you healed them. I almost felt like I could have said a little more, but I didn't know what to say, so I'm just believing what I said was so enough because you can work with anything. You're amazing. Amen. Come on, everything should be life-giving like that coming out of you, not, oh man, wow, you healed and I blew it and didn't even give them the punchline. People are like that to themselves. I watch Christian after Christian just hammer themselves as if they're doing some kind of good. Like whipping themselves, you know, doing it so God doesn't have to. I don't know what they think. <laughs> He's probably saying, knock it off. <laughs> yeah, don't do that to yourself, please. No, Now, what I wanted you to see about this is whatever city you enter... Heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come. Now watch, Angela. Is there a difference at all between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God? I don't believe so. No. Now watch this. In Matthew, it's preach and then heal. In Luke, it's heal and then preach. So there's no method. Do what you have faith for. Do Some people feel like they need to preach in some settings a little bit. And I think sometimes it, just, it stirs us up 
and, and it gets our faith built because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It doesn't necessarily build, build their faith up because sometimes when you preach, they're like, they want to contest or they have just enough religious background in them to fight with you. <laughs> so, so I actually don't preach very much ever at all in public. In public. With Christians, people need truth. A lot of times I'll talk to Christians and, 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 and really, and, but usually that's even after I pray. I, I usually pray and, and then sometimes I'll encourage them in mindsets and things and identity. But out in public, I, I Luke 10 more than I Matthew 10. Yeah. Why? Because he said, whatever city you're in, heal the sick there. And then tell them. Now that just makes sense to me. When you heal the sick, their response is, what's going on? What just happened to me? Why do I feel that? Why isn't that pain there? How come my feet don't hurt? Those kind of things. And then you answer... Why? And your answer in, in, in general is it's because the kingdom's here, but you don't just say that. They won't understand that. Like you don't just say, because the kingdom's here. Praise God. See ya. And they're like, who was that masked man, Angelo? <laughs> and there'll be these reports of this masked man Christian. Angelo, super Christian. Be healed. The kingdom. <laughs> but people need understanding. So to say the kingdom is near you, isn't that we're quoting that as much as explaining what that means? Do you understand? Does that make sense to everybody? Just having fun. So, so you need to see that the commissions of Jesus say, preach and heal. Heal and preach. Isn't that cool? Okay, let's go to Matthew 28. I, I preached this one out. I just want you to see it. you to understand this look the very dust of your city which clings to us we wipe off against you in other words you're wiping any mindset any rejection any persecute you're wiping that off it's 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 not about rejecting a city it's about not letting the rejection affect you so a lot of people read that as a judgment against the city like well you had your chance Okay, no, that's not how you're saying it. But what it's saying is you wipe it off the very dust that clings us, etc. And uh, that was a clincher phrase right there. I had some Mormons come to my house and they got totally, it's important to know the word, they got totally undone. They were trembling on my porch. 
And that was one of the scriptures that rocked them and wrecked them because they actually said, well, then you're supposed to wipe the dust. And, and when I preached what it meant and I got near them and I said, see, guys, I said, living without the spirit gives you very limited understanding and you don't even hear. And, bah, 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 bah. and they, were just, they were undone. I crawled over my railing and went down over the yard as they were heading down the street talking to them about not knocking on any other neighbor's doors since they're unsure what they believe. And the next day, the next day, two senior elders from the Mormon church were at my door knocking. And I answered the door and I said, hey guys, God bless you. I said, you know, I said, my heart's kind of sad that you're here. I said, because I know you're not here because of any good thing I had to say. You're here to hear what I said that so shook your disciples so you could better train them not to be shook. I said, but let's get it on. They, actually, I was very gracious with them, and they came to the home group that I was having in my house at that time, the very, that very night. I said, tonight, they said, well, what, where do you get the authority to pray for the sick? I said, from Jesus. Well, you have to get that through the, the lineage of Aaron and, and the priests, and they went through this whole thing, and I said, you guys probably need to get over here into the New Testament and covenant of God, where there's a new priesthood, and, and, uh. And, and we just really talked and I shared and, and I said, well, I said, if you want to see the works of the Father, just come to the house tonight. That's not arrogant. He'll either show up or he won't. You be the judge, but come over, man. We'd love to have you. And they came and uh, they were pretty undone and, and God moved and had some words of knowledge and some people got healed and, and I hugged them from my heart and thanked them for coming to my house and told them they're welcome anytime. Uh, have never, since then, that was four, 13 years ago, have never, ever since then seen a Mormon on our street. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I was wishing it would turn out even different up until now. But I know one thing, they, they're not even coming on the street. I have never seen no Mormons on our street up until that time. They were on, on a reg. They were just making their rounds all the time. They, they just, I think they boxed off, boxed off our street. Don't even, just don't even go on. But there was nothing, watch this. There was nothing those elders could say. And my challenge to them was, there is nothing you can say. You would, you would have to resign to just willful upholding your doctrine in the face of what you're hearing in your heart is truth. And that's a sad day. Because what can you say? They, the word of God is so powerful. Even when it's being manipulated, people like get all these different interpretations. If you stick with the word long enough with people, you can nail things down to where God holds their heart accountable. To where either human pride says whatever or they repent and change the way they think. Those two young kids, I have a hard time believing they're still in the Mormon faith. They got so shook. That was in a very tangible day for me. Uh, I would pray for the sick and get like a buzzsaw and everything. And, and I remember being on my porch. My wife was in the kitchen praying in tongues. I said, there's Mormons on the porch. Would you pray? She was out there praying in tongues and she knew something good was happening. And, and I'm out on the porch and I was, my whole body, I can't even explain it. It was, a <laughs> and it was just like the words were like a sword. And I watched these young guys just get undone and visibly trembling. 
backing off of my porch. I said, no, don't leave, guys. Listen. <sighs> <There's>, uh, <laughs> it was just fun. <laughs> but the elders came so they could better prepare their guys. And uh, the reason that I said it wasn't a good thing that they never came back is because they didn't know how to prepare them, so they just said, stay off the street. Which means there has to be a conviction there. So I just trusted that. We prayed for them, whoever they, wherever they were based. I don't even know. But it was funny because he, here's how people, and he was sincere. He said, man, everything you're saying is good and, and you sound so sincere. And he said, but you're really limiting yourself because you're only reading the Bible. And when somebody makes a comment like that, <laughs> I had a, a deliverance minister tell me once, what you're doing is great, but there's more than the blood. That's when I'm done. Right there, end of conversation. <laughs> that means your deliverance ministry has become Lord and you need to repent. Yeah. So be careful of that stuff and don't let that stuff get in your soul. So we're brushing off the dust because we're not letting people's rejection stick to us. We're not letting people's resentments. We're not going to be influenced, molded, and shaped by society. We're, we're made in Christ. And we're giving him to the people. So even if they don't receive you, you can still have faith for them. You can still believe for them. If people will let you pray, they don't have to believe. They can be healed. And we'll cover all that. We're going to talk about that, you know, in this school. And it's just simple. It's, it's just there. Now watch this. What, what, what was, did I miss a joke? <laughs> Wiley. <laughs> What? You can't. <laughs> he said we're gonna pass, we're gonna cover all this in the school. She looks at no, we're gonna cover all this. She looks at her watch and he said in the school. Oh she said <laughs> Do you know how I feel every day? It's been funny. I'm starting to get out of it a little. But every day when I'm teaching, I feel like I have to get so much in every day, like, oh my gosh, we're not getting this in and I'm forgetting we have till December. So I'm starting to get used to that. Yeah. So we probably ought to go some it's, it's a lot of time though. We'll get there. <laughs> Over time. No. No, I was thinking maybe it was too long. I didn't know. But I think there's a lot we can cover yet. Because Pastor was talking about doing another one down the road, and I said, "Well, we need to wait till this thing's even wrapped up to even know." We were talking about doing one this spring, because you guys came, and there seems to be a lot of other desire. The grace on my life in this school, and just to be here, and the, the what I feel in my heart of establishing and taking the time and getting real nitty gritty personality has been really exciting for me. It just seems neat because I travel all the time, and I, there's a certain grace you you know you walk in, and there's a certain thing you perceive when you minister. But I have f felt a very high level of grace on this school, and I just feel an excitement in my heart about the purpose of it. So I am I am pumped about that because I feel like there's an opportunity to establish more. I think when I travel, it's more of a sowing seed. And I think there's more of an establishing that can take place here and a, and a building up. Does that, that, that make sense? So, but I said to Pastor about, I don't know, you know, he just threw out the time frame 13 weeks. I'm not sure where he got that. I mean, I don't know if God told him that. I never really asked him. 
the third. I don't know if anybody asked him where he got 13 weeks, but maybe we ought to ask him if that came from the flesh or the spirit. No. <laughs> I just thought it was a good idea. Okay, good God. O, ourselves, G-O-O-D. Good and God. There's another O in good. I was taught years ago that good and God means good is your, ourselves stuck in there. <laughs> Takes what's God and makes it good. Do you get that? <laughs> but no, I'm just having fun. I don't know where he got 13 weeks, but I told him I didn't know if it needs to be 13 weeks. I didn't, we just need to look at that. But I don't know how you guys feel. We'll check with you guys at the end. At the end, you'll say, this was too long. No, no, we don't need more. I don't think we need more than 13. I was wondering if we needed 13, actually. Matthew 28. The 11 disciples, verse 16, went into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. That's after he told Martha and Mary when he raised from the dead. Because back in verse 10, he said, don't be afraid. Go tell my brethren to go to Galilee where they will see me. So he obviously told them on the mountain, probably where he preached Sermon on the Mount. I don't, I'm thinking. When they saw him, this is amazing to me, uh, not in a wrong way, it's just, it's, it's, it makes you think. When they saw him, they worshipped him, and then it says, but some doubted. And, and, and you know, that's just, that's human nature that, that, that I believe the gospel is intending to swallow up. Like, like, I, I think that simply means they're looking and they're going, can that really be you? Man, I watched you die. How can that be you? What, do you know what I mean? Well, I, I don't know. When you look at all the, the, the different, uh, this is one of those paradox s- settings. Because no, here it's, it's making it as if this is the first time they saw him. And, and that's one of those contradictory things like what really happened. Did he walk into the upper room for the first time or did they meet him on the mountain? When they saw him, they worshipped him. And some doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, now watch what he said. I want you to grab what he said. Don't, 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 don't think too deep about upper room or mountain right now. I want you to think about what he said. How much authority? This is so intimate, guys. I get emotional with this stuff. It's like, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Listen to how one we are with him. This is such a given with Jesus. Go, therefore. (laughs) He can see nothing else but you being his church, his people, his bride. Little Christ-like ones. He's saying, all authority has been given to me, guys. Isn't this awesome? And since I'm in you and you're in me, now you go. (laughs) Do you get this? So are we waiting for God to move or is God waiting for us to go? It's so simple. It's so right in front of us, guys. So many places. Look, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. So go and make disciples of all nations. Now people still miss the intimacy of this because they relate it to the 11 disciples. Okay? Now watch. Making, make disciples, 
So what he's saying is reproduce yourself. Make them what you are. Okay? The word apostle, don't let that stumble you. That means a sent one. That means ordained to be sent, to establish, to build. But to reproduce after your own kind, isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus' ministry, he's the apostle and high priest over our confession. That's what the Bible calls him in Hebrews. Consider him the apostle and high priest over our confession. Why? Because he was the one that was sent to even establish the, the right to have a confession. He's the author and finisher of our faith. So he's very apostolic. Jesus. He still said, follow me. True? So don't get stumbled over titles and callings. Because the whole reason for gifting in the body of Christ is to train and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Right? Are you guys with me? Yeah. I, I, I'm just taking my time with some of this stuff because I think sometimes we, we, we just need to, to just set this stuff really straight. Because we tend to look at gifting different sometimes. Watch this. Make disciples of how many nations? All. All. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Look. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. That means if he told them whatever city they're in, heal the sick, they're to teach us that. And I believe they did in the beginning. And I believe somewhere along the line, somebody didn't get healed. And they thought. <laughs> and somebody went, hmm. And there was a lot that probably took place. But somewhere from there... Till now, something shifted. True? What did he tell them to do? To teach men everything that I've taught you. Even the message about praying a prayer to go to heaven didn't come from these guys. Somewhere along the line it popped up about a hundred years ago or so. They, they say the sinner's prayer was birthed on the earth. And it seemed like a good idea to just get people to pray a sinner's prayer and to know they were born again. I think years ago, people just got saved. They repented in their heart and got water baptized and filled with the Spirit and began to just bear fruit. And you just knew who was a Christian. Not because of the prayer they prayed, because of the life they lived and the change. They were all baptized in water immediately. They didn't play, man. They were preaching surrender, lay down your life, Die to live, repent and be baptized, remission of your sin. Nowadays, it's an annual event in the church, if that. Because, hey, at least we're in, we prayed the prayer. And we're leaving tracks everywhere for people to pray the prayer. I'm not saying people haven't got born again that way. God seems to be merciful and He seems to still be who He is. <laughs> You can hear some amazing testimony. Somebody sitting in a bathroom stall reading a track and got transformed. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's been bad in that sense that God hasn't moved. But it's not the message He told us to preach. Is it? Watch this. Teaching Him to deserve how many things? All things I've commanded you. And look at this. Oh my. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we're in this age that he's talking about. We're still in this age. In this dispensation, whatever you want to call it. We're in this age called the last days. 
whether it seems like it's a thousand years or a hundred years or going to be tomorrow or whatever, we're in the last days, right? I want you to go to Mark 16 with me real quick. Huh? Now they're master. Yeah, we're closer to that day than when we first believed. That's the truth. So we're one day closer. Whenever it is, we're closer. So the Bible says to live sober-minded, to awake from sleep and live under righteousness. Let Christ give you light. Amen? I want you to see this. This, I just don't know how we get around this stuff at large in the church. I mean, I, I had a pastor one day so mad at me. You, you, you probably have never seen a pastor this mad. This pastor was so mad at me. I think, I think he swore at me and everything. He was so mad. He was beat red, pointing at me, called me a heretic, and said, I will be in torment in hell for misleading his church. And he said, you will be judged. And I mean, he was screaming at me. And uh, it was a tough day, man. I was crying because of just where the heart of the whole situation was. <laughs> he uh, asked me a question. Do I believe it's God's will to heal everybody? And I said, I, I would answer emphatically, yes, absolutely. And his face just but you have to understand his mother died of cancer. Well, but people do in natural wisdom because of what I preached. Then he put me in a camp. And he said, that's what I hate about you charismatic Pentecostals. See, that's dangerous. I began to weep and said, is that what I am? I don't even know that's what I am. I said, I just love Jesus, sir. But you have me stereotyped and you don't even know my heart, my tears, my prayers. You don't even know me. You asked me one punchline question and I gave you an answer and you put me in a box and you don't even know my heart before God. Well, if you believe that, it tells me everything. Bam, bam, bam. He said, then it must be, I guess, my mom's sin or she didn't have faith. I said, see, sir, you don't know me. I would never preach that. I tried to explain what I would preach and he just cut me off and it was a very terrible scene. Very terrible. And uh, I shared a couple of scriptures with him and uh, we were out we were out in the woods of all places. I was jogging on a trail and he passed me out on the road and I said, hi pastor and just jogged right past him and when we came around the other way we passed again two and a half miles over. And uh, I was still going strong. He was a little tired. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was kidding. We were, we were both looking good. He's a lot younger than me. We were, we were cruising. And, and he slowed up and said, Hey, he said, I, I knew I knew you. I just didn't recognize you. And he said my name that wasn't my name. He said, he said, you're Mark, right? I said, no, I'm Dan. He said, oh, okay. And, but I had remembered him because he made a comment about a thing he was going through and I wrote him a little note and talked to him about getting together and praying. He was waking up with tormenting dreams at night and didn't even remember and he would run even out of the house and through the neighborhood screaming. And I just wanted to pray with him and talk to him about it. And in our conversation... 
he said, man, every time I ask you how you're doing, you always tell me of a healing or a miracle that took place. He said, that must be really important to you. I said, yeah, I would say that's pretty important to me, that, that, that God is healing and restoring. I told him of a 17-year-old that just got healed of a brain tumor. It disappeared in her head in a service. And I was pumped. And he, he said, well, I think that's all fine when God does that. But the greatest thing is, is when you can watch someone suffer in grace and not lose their disposition. And I said, well, when were we ever, when was our disposition ever subject to change in trial? Why is that such a beautiful thing? When are we ever supposed to lose our disposition? And I could tell that he felt like I was challenging him and then he shared his situation with his mother. So his whole doctrine was hinged on keeping his soul up because of the loss of his mother. So you have to understand that and not get mad at him. You know what I mean? But because that's his motive, he can't help at that point anymore but to get hostile at me because everything I represent is threatening his support system. So that's why he asked me that question in the trust. He said, so how's things been going for you? How have you been doing? And he said, I know you used to talk about, you know, this and that. And, and I said, yeah. And then he said, well, let me ask you this question. Do you believe? And when I told him, yeah, man, he changed and he just hammered me. And, and uh, it, you have to understand where people are coming from. There's a reason I'm telling you this. You can't let that stick to you. I cried the whole way home and asked my wife to pray for him with me. I'm going to look you in the eyes and tell you it wasn't one bit hurt. It got so bad that he looked me in the eyes and said, oh, never mind. You're just a liar anyway. You just lie. He's screaming at me. You're a liar. I don't believe anything you say. And then I, I said, look, man, I'm sorry. Oh, I cried and I said, my gosh. I said, please don't go there. I said, you're pastoring people. That's what I said to him. It sounded like a jab. It wasn't. I was like, you're pastoring people with that capacity of heart. That's not a good day. And I turned and I said, look, God bless you, man. I'm sorry that we can't talk this through. And I'm sorry it's got to go there. But it's not my intention. I'm just going to leave now. So I started jogging and leaving. And he said, hey, you have my name. So this is... This is how things can go. And you have to understand some of the, the boundaries you have here and some of the things you can and can't say. He said, uh, he said, listen, I need you to know that I forgive you and, and that I love you. And I stopped in my tracks and I looked at him and I said, you're kidding me, right? I said, you're being religious. You hate me right now. You despise me. And you think I'm going to hell. Why are you saying that? Because it's the right thing to say. And he stopped. And I was, that wasn't an out of place thing. I was calling him to account. And he said, yeah, you're right. I do feel that way. And he turned and jogged away. I cried so hard on my way to the truck. Because of the reality of that kind of conflict. All because of one personal experience. One personal loss at the cost of all this truth to where we can't even talk about it because the feathers are so ruffled. 
You have to be very, 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 very careful. That was more than verily, verily. Very, 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 very careful that your belief system isn't built because of offense, because of loss, because of pain. Because then you will defend it through those same things. I, I don't know why I feel so serious about this, and I don't even know. I almost feel like it's for a couple students too. Please make sure none of your belief systems are protecting hurt and offense. Please. Because then they're obviously devised by the flesh. Okay? Okay. I don't know why I got into all that and I feel real, wow. I got time to wrap this up today. We're in Mark 16. He appeared to the eleven. <laughs> uh, this is no, we gotta read this whole thing. This is good. Not the whole thing, but yeah. <laughs> I just looked up. They were alarmed. I was thinking, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. I have to read the whole thing. <laughs> I looked up and saw they were alarmed. I thought, no, no, don't be alarmed. Because <laughs> uh, I'm scanning scripture right now because it's all so good. Sometimes I have a hard time just jumping in. Verse 9. Now he arose early on the first day of the week. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. A lot of us are still mourning and weeping, and we need to know he's alive. (laughs) They were mourning and weeping while he was alive. That's the moral right there. <laughs> they came, she came to say, hey, he's alive! <laughs> it's not a dead gospel, it's a live gospel. It's a living gospel. He's not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living, right? So watch this. We're going to keep reading because this gets really interesting. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. You have to realize that it's all about believing. You can tell somebody somebody got healed, that doesn't mean they'll believe. They saw him and some doubted. You could be in a room and somebody could be healed and crying and a person could be sitting there saying, man, I don't know, I think they're just being emotional. I had a pastor sitting beside another guy. You guys heard the testimony. In fact, he has a a new flesh and bone knee. He had a totally reconstructed knee. This is good for you, Patrick. Good good testimony. He had a totally reconstructed knee. Had to have a slip to go through a metal detector. And he came to a service. His pastor came to protect him so that when he didn't get healed, he could build him up the whole way home. And he felt like he was doing him right. And actually he was being a good pastor because he didn't have a grid for a recreative miracle. And he thought, man, this guy's stirred up. He has a hope that's out of balance. He's going to go to the service, not going to get his knee, and he's going to need minister to. So that's why the pastor came with him, to build him up when he wasn't healed. But he's actually being a good pastor based on what he believes. Do you understand that? It's not like, boy, what a religious man. Go to another church, pal. You know? No, it's not like that. The guy was actually being a good pastor based on what he believed. The guy gets a brand new knee right in front of his pastor. He runs in circles, cries, thank you, Father, thank you, Father. For six or eight weeks, his church is waiting for him to limp again. And he'd go to church and they'd all wait to see if it was hurting again until the emotions ran off. 
And he'd run up and down the steps every morning. He'd go to church and do the same thing. They'd all say, good morning. And he'd go up and down the steps, do some deep knee bends and say, I'm doing great. God bless you. And he'd just go down the hall. They'd do it for weeks on end. But here's why they were doing that. The pastor went to their Wednesday night service and said, I might have seen a miracle this morning. I'm still not sure. He said, emotions can be a very powerful thing. So to him, that was a legitimate and time needed to tell. But today, he's still not hooking up this pastor because I'm actually, I, I, I just know that to be true in that sense. And yet he, two and a half years later, had a pain in his knee and went to get it checked out. And they said, oh, it's just some frayed cartilage. It'll just heal up fine. He didn't have cartilage. He had a totally reconstructed knee. It was all fake. It was all reconstructive parts. There wasn't one fake part in his knee on the MRI. He had a flesh and bone knee. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So here's what unbelief does. They look at that x-ray. You think, well, that will nail everybody down because we're always talking about documenting healings. You have to learn right now that you can't suffice unbelief. There's no explanation good enough for unbelief. Now, there's some people that are on the fringe and borderline, and if they know you and get relationship with you and realize that you've got to be telling the truth and you show them an x-ray, they'll, they'll buy in. But there's a lot of people in unbelief that say, well, how? when they, they walk away and say, well, how do I even know that was their original x-ray? That could have been anybody's x-ray. Man, they're trying to sell me out and buy me into this thing. You know, Reinhard Bunke has the, 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 the whole mortician guy and the guy who embalmed and everybody. And all that the world does is say, so they pay a guy 500 bucks to say I was a doctor and I embalmed him. And I'm supposed to believe he raised from the dead? Come on, how shallow am I? That's, we go to all that extreme to qualify things. And the truth is that you can't suffice unbelief and faith doesn't need an explanation. Because people say, why don't you get this stuff validated? Why don't you get all these stories? Why don't, I don't even, I'm not even thinking about it. Because when the chips fall, everything will be revealed and time will tell. And men, here's what Moses, here's what uh, Abraham said about Moses in the scriptures. He said to the guy that was in hell and said, send Lazarus back to warn my brothers. They have Moses and the scriptures. Let them believe them first or they won't believe even if somebody's raised from the dead. Because all they'll say is, how do I know they were dead? You could be dead for three days. Raise you up, praise God. And take you and showcase you to the world. And unbelief just says, what's that mean? We don't, how do we know she was dead? She's probably in a medical coma. Whatever. Just there's no explanation good enough for unbelief. Unbelief is a terrible, wretched, horrible thing that makes the human mind and human reasoning and the wisdom of the world God. It's the fall of man. At its finest, unbelief. You follow me? How's that for just raw truth? I got about two minutes. I'm in trouble. That's all right. We have, we don't have tomorrow. We have next Monday, don't we? And when they heard that he was alive and seen by her, they did not believe. After that, look, he's doing his best to bear witness. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe. 
<laughs> See, a preacher comes and says, man, God did this and I saw this and God's moving here and da, da, da. People go, and then they sit and weigh it and critique it and uh, I wonder if they have to believe it. See, it's the same thing. You see it happening all the time. Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. Isn't it amazing? He didn't say, hey, guys, good to see you. He rebuked them, corrected them. Some Bibles say upbraided them. What's your Bible say? Upbraid. Whoa, that sounds pretty heavy. Yeah, he corrected them. What are you guys doing? Upbraiding and rebuking for their what? For their unbelief. What causes unbelief? The hardness of their heart. Remember when they were on the boat, he said, are your hearts still hard? Watch. And the hardness of their heart, look, because they did. See, God's calling man to believe. Here's why he upbraided them. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he raised. Even though they didn't see him themselves, he held them accountable for believing. Isn't that amazing? Because the just live by faith. So that's why faith doesn't need an explanation. Now watch. After this, he said, go into the world. Oh, isn't that awesome? They just got upbraided and rebuked for their unbelief and immediately released into their calling. <laughs> yeah! Do you see how powerful that is? They're sitting there, unbelievers, getting corrected by God. And God says, okay, now that you're over that and you see and I'm here, now get out and do what I called you to do. He didn't send them for a sabbatical. He didn't send them to the 13-week even discipleship kind of class. He said, what? He said, now go do what you're anointed to do. Three minutes before that, they were sitting there with a hardness of heart and unbelief. He said, what are you thinking? Now go into the world. He sent them into the worldly, the world, the commission of the world, not the worldly commission, the commission for the world to be saved right in the face of unbelief and hardness of heart. Today's Thursday. That's all right. You'll catch up. That's all right. No, you'll, you'll catch up. It's all right. It's, it's, hey. One day is the same as the rest to some people. One day is different than others. Romans 14, we all love one another. <laughs> we love you, buddy. Watch this. Go into the world. He just, the line before, he upbraided them for their hardness of heart and unbelief. And then he said, look, you're still qualified because of what I did and the Spirit of God that's coming upon you. Now, would you go? And just know that I am He. So the key is just know that I am He. Would you go right now into the world and preach what? The gospel. I bet you the gospel is the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? That men are redeemed and filled with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and that he restored all things back to original value. Now watch. To every creature. He who believes. Now watch this. He who believes. So they're going to go and preach to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who's not believed, well, he's condemned. Why? He's living a life of unbelief. These signs will follow those who... Believe. Is he talking at all right now about the eleven? No. 
He's talking about the ones that come through their message. So, the fruit we see called to their life, is it the same now to those that believe? They're to go and whatever city you're in, heal the sick, right? And go preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, they've just made believers out of the believer. Believers were just birthed out of believers, right? And he says, and these signs will follow them. In whose name? In his name. Why? Because in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and where? On earth. In my name, they will cast out demons, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't by any means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Sounds like the kingdom is at hand. So who will do that? The people that come in believing through the message preached. Yes. So why do they use the word preacher there? Because I think of preachers as animals. As puppies. Are you going to walk down the road and preach to a kitty cat? Don't. If you look at their eyes, you can see they came after the fall. Cats. There's no hope for them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, I lost her now. I have stretched her the whole school. Now, now she's going. I never had anybody throw eggs or tomatoes. Who threw something at me? I hear things. Oh, oh. Thank you for saving. You see how Jesus shielded me? I got pens flying. Nobody threw money. They're hitting me. Oh, I always say that in tease. I say cats came after the fall. Just look at their eyes. I'm like, it's just funny. <laughs> Go back. Go to your chair. So, yeah, so you can preach to every creature, just skip cats. But, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm just having fun. No, I don't know. You'd probably have to look up the word creature because I thought that before too and I didn't look it up. I don't know why I use this creature instead of all people. But every creature, uh, maybe, maybe there's significance in the sense that let's go preach the kingdom because all creation's groaning for the sons of God to be made known. Do you know what I mean? So it's really like all creation praises him, right? So, and the rocks will cry out if we don't. So I, I think the key is there. Let's make the gospel known to the earth. Keep it that simple. Amen. <laughs> so after that, they went. Or he was received up in heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So you see what happened next? He went up and sat as their high priest and mediated on their behalf. And then they went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord, working by the Spirit, working with them, confirmed the word with accompanying signs. Somehow, we got away from that when people weren't healed or something. Or somebody had a different idea. But that's the gospel we live by. Amen? So there's no difference between the original 11 and the ones that came through a message. Watch this. Technically, the only reason you or I are sitting here with the knowledge of the gospel is because those 11 men went. So you're a product of their obedience. And you're here because they preached. And I understand others had to preach, but because they went, here we are. And has God changed in the meantime? No, he's the same. Amen? Amen. Are your girls here? Yeah, bring them up here. Okay, this downstairs. Did you want them both prayed for? Yeah, I wanted to say about him before she was in the room because she really doesn't know what's going on. Okay. I asked Pastor Dave, and he said, 
doesn't always appropriate to announce and what isn't, so I really still don't know. But then you said, we can just yeah, be so you know what to pray about. So. All right, well, anyway, Sarah's got a little work done, and it's still showing that her thyroid isn't working, and um, she has adrenal insufficiency, which means she's not on medicine. She will pee and pee and pee and pee and pee. Her body doesn't stop. And then she'll drink to compensate for the pain. And with the... Is she here? Yeah, yeah. She's here. Yeah. When the hypothyroid comes, you know, a whole lot of stuff. But the surgeon said everything is still intact, and he expected a complete and full recovery. Now, normally they have to take the pituitary stock out and other things, but everything's still there, so... Why isn't it working? So, anyway, you don't need anything added. You just need it. It's when you pray, and you don't have to be so all super... Like, for her telling that isn't wrong. It's, it's fine. When you pray for a situation like this, you can just pray for all things to be restored, back to your original creative value, body you work, the way you were created and designed, and you know what that means. That, that It can be that simple. But, but we do that knowing... Watch, as the church, that it's the will of God to do that for young Sarah, that he loves her with his own life, the life of his son, and that he gave us the authority to appropriate that and release that because he gave us all authority over all things, right? So it's a very intimate family thing. It's, it's, we're representing Christ to every situation. Does that make sense? That's intimate. That's like a big deal. That's not... A small thing. That's powerful. That's why we study, show ourselves approved. That's why we find ourselves in Him. That's, you know, in Mark 3, He said, well, that's another day. That's just, uh, you, you need to bring... Uh, Mary went to get Hannah. Okay. And with Hannah, I know she's getting some tests done. Well, an MRI showed something on the brain. So now we have to go for another MRI with contrast. I'm not through that contrast. Now. Yeah, and we don't need to mention anything in that when we pray. I, in fact, I, we just want to pray that, that this family be brought to wholeness. That every everything not of God just be removed off of them, off your girls, off your family, off your your house, off your your husband, everybody. Let's just we'll just pray, and we can we can do that and and uh, do that effectively without getting into detail. So we'll as soon as she comes up. Anybody else? Did anybody have anything or anything that? We were forgetting a prayer request or a thing at the end. Or okay, so before we leave, could somebody or a couple folks pray over Regis that this pain would just go? Because that authority is here. Jesus is Lord. That, that that yeah, yeah. Mark just knocked it out of you, buddy. But let's continue to grow in these truths. Amen. And uh, go after the truth. It's all about growing up into Him in all things. Be careful your mind doesn't get cynical or trapped into cynical, with cynical mindsets that say, yeah, well, you know, you preach all this, then how come this, how come that? Those questions that have a negative tone, they're not coming out of the heart of God. They're just contesting questions. You can contest things all your life and then you'll find yourself never growing because... If you have a need and I have a need to grow, then there's always something that could be challenged, but wonder if the bottom line is we just need to grow. So let's just face that and stop contesting things. Let's just grow, right? And let's just accept the yes is yes and the no is no and let's just, hey, hi, sweetie. Where's your mama? We're just going to pray over your family, okay? You and your sister and your mommy. We just want to do that as a class and uh, just pray God's blessing over you guys. We love you. You're precious. 
Yeah, just sit over there. You can go over with you girls. You can just wrap your arms around them. Consuela. Destiny, would you get over there and just, just lay your hands on the girls for us and represent just us as a whole as we pray? You all guys okay if destiny represents our heart and faith as a whole? You all all right with that? Okay, Jesus seems to like her. I think he likes destiny. <laughs> and I like picking her up in the morning. Father, we just thank you for this family. And we just thank you for these young girls. And we just thank you for your blessing and your spirit upon them. That everything not of you, everything contrary to truth and the design of your created value of wholeness and redemption would be removed from their lives and never, ever touch them again. We bless these girls. These young girls are blessed. We speak life over them and blessing and we thank you, Father, your hand is upon them. We speak blessing over this family, over this husband, this wife, and these children, even the young son, Levi. We thank you, Father, right now for the blessing of heaven. We thank you, Lord God, that you remove every concern, you remove every violation of wholeness, and we thank you, Lord God, that redemption has come to this house. We thank you for all things being aligned and restored. In young uh, Sarah, Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that the body functions normally, that everything works the way you intended from the beginning. Likewise in Hannah, the young son, and this whole family. We bless them right now, and we thank you, Father, for restoration of all things. Yay. And in Jesus' name, we believe that and receive that. And we say nothing but blessed and whole in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good. Okay. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. I'm heading to Iowa tomorrow morning. Going to have fun. Probably preach Jesus. I'll pray about it.